the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Dave Ellswick Show podcast is sponsored by the Juris Law Group. We provide estate planning for all ages, and we specialize in helping seniors get VA and Medicaid benefits for in-home, assisted living, and nursing home care. For a no-risk consultation, call us at 501-400-8250 or find us on the web at juristlawgroup.com. That's J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com. And I hope your uh, weekend was a good one. I had a great weekend. Did a little bit of early, early, early spring cleaning. When the missus at home asks, you come through for it. And then uh, yesterday we had a great day, great day of worship. Uh, I made something special for dinner yesterday, Russ. You'll like this. I did a, a rotisserie tasting chicken in the slow cooker yesterday. I, I put it in at seven in the morning when we got back from church, uh, about, uh, 1245, it was done and it was pretty doggone good. Had got to like it. It was all rubbed down with uh, brown sugar and chili pepper. How's that sound? That sounds pretty good. I did the same thing with a uh, with a pork loin. And, all right. Uh, I didn't I didn't put the brown sugar on there, but uh, chili powder, some cayenne, sage, uh, salt, pepper, onion powder, some garlic powder, and just kind of let it roast in the. It's in fact it's still on warm right now in the in the crock pot i mean the bottom line is this this is why we get along so well because we like to eat <laughs> unfortunately I, that, uh, yes i do like to eat i don't need to eat any more than i do but dang yeah i understand well it's a monday we've got a lot to get to on the show today we're going to start off with phil kirpin phil is the uh, president of, of american commitment uh, americancommitment.org is their website uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, uh, tax reform package and the great things that came out of it. And then in the second half hour of uh, this first hour, uh, we're going to talk with the producer of the movie War Room and uh, talk to them. He was here in Little Rock on Saturday. Got time to sit down and talk to him by phone and uh, had a great uh, interview. Want to play that back for you. The uh, insurance commissioner will be here uh, on the uh, second hour, Alan Kerr will sit down with us here in the studio. We'll hear what he has to say about what's happening as far as insurance in the state of Arkansas. He says we're in really good shape. That was his message to me, so we'll talk about it. Uh, four o'clock, uh, Conduit for Action is going to be on with us. And at five o'clock, Robert Steinbach will join us, the uh, professor of law from over at the Bowen School of Law at UALR. So we'll be talking to him in the final hour. So full crew today. Full, full, uh, you know, we just got all kinds of stuff to talk about. So let's start it off with Phil. Phil, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Dave. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. By the way, you going to be at CPAC this year? Uh, you know, they haven't asked me to speak at anything yet, so I don't know. I'll probably head over there at some point. I usually do. Well, when you're nice if they would invite me to speak, it's, uh, 
you know, when you have a thousand speakers at an event and you don't invite me, what, what kind of message am I supposed to take? I gotcha. Hey, here's the key. You could speak and all you got to do is talk this uh, particular release that I've seen that you've done about what the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act uh, has done for the American public. It's done great things, has it not? I'm pretty excited. I mean, Dave, we're still seeing every single day another huge announcement, uh, you know, left and right. I mean, right, right, in, uh, right, right in your state there, I saw Mount Air announced last week that they're doing bonuses and the bigger 401k increase for every single one of their employees. We're seeing this in state after state after state, company after company after company. It's like a real-time refutation of everything that the liberals say about how tax savings for businesses won't be passed on because we're seeing a new press release or two every single day showing that they are. And, uh, the individual side, the tax cuts for individuals, they're just starting to hit because the IRS put the new guidance out and they told employers to do it uh, by February 15th. So some companies have already done it, but a lot more are going to be doing it in the next couple of weeks. So people are going to see their tax bite go down, their take-home pay go up, plus a lot of people are making more money, so their uh, pre-tax income is also going up. I've been very excited with what we've seen uh, in the first couple of months of this. Yeah, and, and the Democrats, have, you know, they've tried to – paint this as you know armageddon basically i mean that's what pelosi said and the bottom line is that they keep saying crumbs crumbs for the the american worker but to the average american worker 250 300 extra a month plus a, maybe a thousand dollar bonus uh and then when you look at what you're going to get next year when you get uh, your you know money back from your taxes people are going to be pretty doggone happy i believe yeah, I think that's right. You know, look, it varies. Uh, it varies, obviously, depending on your exact situation. But, uh, you know, an average employee, uh, when the withholding is reset, is looking at something like $50 higher take-home pay every couple of weeks. Uh, and Nancy Pelosi says that's crumbs and nobody's going to notice. I beg to differ. I think it's going to be very noticeable. And, uh, you know, that's just the tax cut for individuals. As we said, you know, a lot of people are also getting bonuses and raises because of the tax cuts uh, on the business side. And so mm-hmm. this is a... Uh, very big positive for a lot of people. And the, the other sort of interesting thing from a political standpoint is the Democrats and the media convinced everyone their taxes were going up. And, of course, that wasn't true. So now reality is going to sort of, uh, you know, come as a wake-up call for a lot of people who thought they were getting higher taxes and, in fact, they're getting lower taxes. And it's going to be interesting sort of what the consequences of that are for uh, some of the Democrats and the media who lied about this bill when it was moving through the process. Have you noticed the positives from the American people uh, as they've been being polled about this, when it was passed, it was like 37% were up behind it. Then, uh, after a couple of weeks, it went up to 46%. And I, the last thing I saw, it had not, it had nudged itself over 50% and was still, uh, gaining traction. The president's uh, positives have gone up as well. Uh, you know, they're understanding that they were, they were sold a bill of goods by the Democrats. Yeah, you know, when you go totally over the top and just tell all kinds of crazy lies about a bill, you're you're sort of uh, wagering that you'll actually be able to stop it from passing, right? Because if they stopped it from passing, they'd be able to dance on its grave and claim credit for stopping all these horrible things and so forth. But when it actually passes... Okay, when Republicans can sort of tune out the noise and the media and everything else and get the thing done, uh, 
then it sort of all turns around. All those lies become unsustainable. You know, you can't convince half the American people their taxes are going up when they're staring at a paycheck and they see the taxes went down. And so, yeah, I think that reality, these stories day after day after day of uh, companies passing on the uh, business tax cut and uh, in, and uh, the people starting to see the individual side tax cut is uh, causing exactly what you highlighted in the opinion data. And I think it's going to move even more over the next month because, you know, by the end of February, pretty much everybody who draws a paycheck in the country is going to see the tax bite go down as the withholding tables reset. And so that's, you know, I mean, I, what I've been saying is, you know, are you going to believe the Democrats or your own lying paycheck? Well, yeah. I mean, I think most people are going to believe their own paycheck. And so it's going to be, I think, uh, it's going to turn into a very strong positive for Republicans, notwithstanding how bad the uh, polling was uh, at the time they passed it. Well, a lot of great things have come out about this, uh, Phil. Phil Kirpin is our guest president. America Commitment, uh, AmericaCommitment.org, uh, the uh, website. So we've got three positives out of this uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. We got to cutting taxes. We've been talking about that. But then they repealed the Obamacare mandate, and then they did something else that was very, very important when they boosted American energy production. Why don't you start with that second one, repealing the Obamacare mandate, why that's important, and then you can move on into American energy production as well. Well, I mean, it's huge. The uh, the individual mandate is sort of the corrupt, beating heart of Obamacare. Uh, it was unconstitutional as a mandate, but of course, uh, just Chief Justice Roberts rescued it by rewriting the law and calling it a tax. It's the most hated part of the law, and uh, they've zeroed it out. Uh, oddly, not for 2018, but for 2019, which I, I find a little bit bizarre. But in any event, as of 2019, uh, there still, in theory, will be a mandate on the book saying you've got to have Obamacare qualified insurance. However, instead of a penalty that would be the greater of $695 or 2.5% of adjusted gross income, the penalty starting in 2019 will be $0. And so the mandate is essentially meaningless. They say you've got to do it or else pay a fine of $0. Well, that, that effectively means that you've got no more mandate. And, uh, you know, this is a tax that fell overwhelmingly on middle income and down. Uh, 79% of people who paid this tax the most recent year we have data for made less than 50 thousand dollars and so this was essentially a tax on people who couldn't afford Obamacare uh, they still didn't have insurance and now they're they're paying a uh, penalty tax for, for not being able to afford Obamacare and uh, it doesn't solve all the problems in health care obviously because Obamacare is still there there's still all the rules and regulations all the subsidies and so forth but what it does do is it says that um, basically Obamacare is voluntary instead of mandatory you're not going to be punished for not buying into it and that's a big deal the other thing that I think is really significant and hasn't gotten that much attention is it means that the deregulatory efforts inside the Trump administration, the rules we're seeing on things like association health plans from the Department of Labor, uh, short-term limited duration insurance from HHS, that rule should be done soon. It means those options become legitimate, viable options for people, whereas if you had to buy one of these other options and then also owe the penalty tax for not being in Obamacare, it's hard to see how those really would be uh, good choices for people. And so I think it's going to open up the space, open up the possibility uh, for a lot of reform to bring other non-Obamacare policies back to market and, and have people be able to buy them without having to pay a penalty. You know, you you talk about uh, ANWR, by the way, and I, I really want to spend some time on this because there has been so much BS uh, pushed out about, uh, about drilling in Alaska. Uh, the way that they drill now is totally different from what it was back in the late 60s, early 70s, using ice pads, ice roads. 
and all the rest, being able to go in and drop one well and uh, horizontally uh, drill into the surrounding area and uh, get the oil out of the ground. And, and then when they pack it down and move out, the pads all uh, just defrost and go away. They melt. They're not there anymore. And no damage is done at all. Let's talk about Anwar because this is going to boost our American energy production hugely. Yeah, this is a this is a massive victory uh, for American energy, and this is uh, something we've been trying to do, you know, really since 1980. Uh, we talk about the 1002 area of Anwar, which is the area that's designated for oil and gas production. It's called the 1002 area because it was Section 1002 of a bill that passed in 1980 that originally designated that area for oil and gas production, and uh, it's been blocked over and over again by environmental extremists. Uh, it was finally passed through the House and Senate in 1980. 95, Bill Clinton vetoed it, then was passed in the House a bunch of times over the uh, following decade, but never in the Senate. And then 05, it finally passed the Senate, and it got blocked in the House. Mm-hmm. And so it's been one of these things. We've just been trying to do it forever, and we've always run into this resistance uh, from the, the uh, these environmentalist groups who basically lie about what we're talking about. They say it's this pristine, critical wilderness full of biodiversity that'll be disrupted, all these sorts of things that, uh, you know, first of all, it's basically frozen tundra. There's very little wildlife of any kind because it's in the Arctic Circle. Um, But second, we're talking about a 2,000-acre development area in a 20-million-acre refuge. Wait, I want to stop you. Repeat that to everybody. 2,000-acre development footprint in a 20-million-acre refuge is what we're talking about. Yeah, it's not like we're talking about drilling, you know, putting in Quadri- you know, quadrillion uh, oil derricks all across uh, Alaska's frozen tundra. That's not the case at all. No, it's a very limited area, and of course, you know, as you pointed out, with the technology we have now, we can reach a very vast resource through through a small footprint on the yep. surface, and uh, it is believed to be a vast resource. I mean, the last comprehensive look at this is, is was pretty long ago, it was back in the late 80s, but the USGS found that there's about 10 billion barrels of recoverable oil, and, you know, it's probably even more than that, of course, because that was an outdated methodology. Uh, they thought back then that it could produce 1.5 million barrels a day. Uh, that's probably a lowball estimate at this point, but you know, let's, let's go with that. Um, that's more than total U.S. imports from Saudi Arabia. So we're talking about a massive resource, and you know, it's interesting. Whenever oil prices shoot up and they're high and we're paying $4 at the pump and we say we really need to open up Alaska for production, what do the liberal groups do? They say, oh, well, it would take too long to get the oil, so it wouldn't do anything. Well, we need to get moving on this stuff now, not wait until we have another acute price shock, and then they can say, oh, well, it'll take too long, which mm-hmm. is what they've done every single time. Yeah, what are they saying? How how long do they think they, it would take them to get this uh, onto the market? What five years, maybe? Well, you know, the the green groups always say it'll take ten years, mostly because they plan to sue everyone and sell sure. everything and block everything. Um, you know, I would hope that that President Trump could get it done by the end of this term, or at least by the end of his second term. Uh, but you know, I think. If the oil's not flowing and you've got a Democrat in the White House, they're going to do anything and everything they can to to get out of it and block it. And so there's a little bit of a uh, little bit of a rush on to to get it going. Yeah, well, that'll be up to the Congress. They'll have to get to get it going. They know they've got a president that supports them. They just need to get it done. And I'm I'm sure we got uh, Murkowski's vote on this, right? From 
from Alaska. Yeah, that was kind of the genius. The genius of putting this in the tax reform bill was quite a brilliant move by Mitch McConnell, I think, is, uh, you know, it turned Lisa Murkowski from somebody we would have had to constantly worry about to, like, the strongest supporter of the bill. Because <laughs> she knew she had Anwar put in there. So, yeah. you know, McConnell basically gave her a title of the bill to write in her committee. And, uh, you know, we had the main tax reform title that was, you know, a couple hundred pages. And then we had her title, which was like five pages long. And it was just Anwar. And it, uh, it turned her into, you know, kind of the strongest supporter of the bill. So it was very smart in terms of getting the thing passed. And uh, the, what I loved about it is, you know, he sort of cemented her support with something we wanted anyway, instead of some liberal thing. So it was pretty great uh, strategy, I thought, that they included in the tax reform bill. All right. Well, Phil, I got you about, about three more minutes. So let me ask this question. The uh, president does his State of the Union uh, message tomorrow night. I'm sure you knew that I would ask you this, but what do you think he's going to say? And uh, what do you hope that he says? Well, I think there's going to be a major focus on uh, touting the benefits of the tax reform bill. I think the president understands that uh, that will be the signature achievement of this Congress. Uh, they're not going to do anything nearly as large and, and uh, you know, far-reaching in its implications as that this year. And so that's kind of what they need to bet the election on is to explain to the public the benefits of that. So I expect that's going to be a major focus of the speech. And I'm sure he'll also have a lot of national security stuff in there. And, you know, ISIS is uh, collapsing in territorial control and, you know, various related foreign policy successes, I'm sure, will, will loom large in there. And then, of course, I'm sure he'll talk about his immigration proposal and uh, try to try to get the public on his side on that very challenging issue. And then I expect there's going to be a big pivot to infrastructure and uh, selling the infrastructure plan that the White House is planning to roll out right after the speech. And so I don't know exactly what the details of that are going to look like, but that'll probably be the next big thing in Washington. All right. Phil, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. If you at CPAC, make sure you stop by uh, the station. We'd be happy to have you on the air, and uh, uh, you know we'll treat you to some chicken wings or something. How's that? Sound? <laughs> All right, sounds good. All right, we'll talk to you later. All right, bye. Oh, bye, bye. All right, Phil Kirpin, president of America Commitment. That's America Commitment One Word dot O R G. You can always check out that website. You'll find out some uh, interesting information by uh, going there and looking and seeing some of the information that they uh, check in. Let's check in uh, with uh, our good folks uh, from PI Roofing. PI Roofing and uh, Home Solutions, your roof leak detectives, they now have a group of people that work with them that can take care of the damage done by the leak that gets through your roof that uh, PI Roofing has been known to fix for many, 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 many years. But now, if you need some interior painting, drywall repair, exterior painting, maybe some carpentry work, insulation replaced, ventilation taken care of, they can take care of all of it for you. Joel Johnson now gives you full, full service. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. PI Roofing and Home Solutions, PIRoofing.com. Hey, remember when we come back here uh, after uh, we hear from Todd Starnes and then, uh, you know, make some money that we got to make here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. We're going to talk to Stephen Kendrick, producer of a very popular movie called War Room. He was in uh, Little Rock over the weekend. We got an interview to share with you when we come back. Hey, make sure if you have pets or you just got one pet that you get the best uh, products for your pet or pets by going to Safari Pets at 808 West Main in Cabot. Their phone number 
501-628-0067. And they're on the internet at safari-pet.com. I mean, you can go there. You can get a whole beekeeper's outfit. Get started into uh, keeping some bees. And we need beekeepers. We need more bees out there pollinating the trees and the and the crops that we have here in our area. So stop by Safari Pets, talk to them about that. If you need something for your exotic pets, they got all of the uh, you know products that you need and all of the information that you need. That's Safari Pets, 808 West Main and Cabot. Again, their phone number, 501-628-0067. Stop by, visit with John and Sarah and Jason. They'll take good care of you safari-pet.com. Stephen Kendrick is uh, joining us. I don't know if you saw the movie War Room or not a few months back. I did. Uh, It was a full theater. People enjoyed it. And, you know, I guess the first question, uh, Stephen, is a real simple one, is that there's been this ongoing discussion in the faith community about do you do a, quote, really faith movie or... Do you do a faith movie and not call it a faith movie? You know what I'm saying? There's this big discussion about this right now. Well, and and Jesus taught in parables to people who didn't know God, and he taught overtly to his disciples. Mm -hmm. So you have to define who's your audience, you know, and we we are totally supportive of of both uh, directions. Yeah, so far, all of our films have been very overt and uh, in our faith, and we aim at the church first. You know, it's hard for the church to uh, ask other people to fix their marriages if marriages in the church are not where they need to be. Mm-hmm. So we we try to aim for the church first, and and then watch God bring healing and transformation in the church, and then through the church to reach the world. But uh, our good friends John and Andy Irwin. They aim specifically for a secular audience, you know, and so they make movies that are, are more uh, faith-friendly, uh, but not as overt, and God's blessing them, too. So we, we totally get it. Well, War Room has done very, very well at the box office, and, uh, I mean, we have a different way of measuring, you know, success of a movie of this kind, but, you know, the bottom line is the bottom line always is, I guess it always will be if you want to get people to you know, put money behind a project and you all have really upped your game as far as, you know, the complexity and the technical abilities that you have. I mean, this is really exciting what you all have been able to do. Well, it's interesting. We spent 20 years in church ministry and, uh, so we never went to film school. We've been learning with every film. The, The learning curve has been very steep for us. But with every movie, we try to pursue excellence at a higher level, and we pray towards how can we improve, you know, in our writing, directing, editing, cinematography, with everything. And so we're very grateful for the difference mm-hmm. between Flywheel, our first wheel, our first film, for $20,000 in 2003, and, uh, and what War Room has done, even internationally. So we're hoping to keep growing as filmmakers. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. It has been... 15 years and you all haven't made a splash. Well, I, you know, I guess I'm, I'm, let's just face up to this. Not you all. God has made a splash in cinema with, with, and using you all as his instruments been really, really, uh, exciting to see what has happened. We've been thrilled because 
our generation is able to communicate the gospel to 76 countries around the world internationally through media. And we're in a situation where, you know, the Apostle Paul's writings in the in the book of Ephesians are, are still blessing me today, mm-hmm. and he's been dead for a long time, and we know if we were to get hit by a bus tomorrow, these five films that we've made will continue to impact people and point people to Christ, hopefully around the world for many years to come. So when you sat down and, and you said, we're going to do a, let's do a movie. We're going to do a movie about prayer in people's lives and the power of prayer in people's lives. I mean, how did you go about this? How did you sit down and, and, and lay out the storyboard for this? Well, uh, with each film, we will spend a season of prayer and that could be a few months or even years asking God for a storyline that's on his heart that he knows we need to communicate. You know, he, he's the only one that knows the future and what people need to be hearing. And uh, so at the same time, he's usually teaching us things in his word and in our family and through circumstances around us. And uh, the storyline idea usually will come to my brother first, and it's in the form of a, a scene, an emotional scene uh, that has, you know, a, a powerful message to it. And facing the Giants, it was of a dad pulling himself up out of a wheelchair, lifting his arms for his son that was too afraid to kick a 51-yard field goal. You know, that was the first scene idea that Alex had. Mm-hmm. In War Room, it was of a, uh, a husband washing his wife's feet, and this is after their marriage was in a, a disastrous place, and she is just dumbfounded that, um, that God has answered so many prayers in her life and brought their marriage to this place of restoration and healing. And that was the first scene idea, you know, and then we will build around that and begin to develop the characters in the storyline. And at the same time, asking God, what's the message you want us to communicate? So we'll take out a big piece of butcher paper, you know, put sticky notes all over it of scene ideas that we have. We'll color code those by emotion. If it's a funny scene, it'll be one color. If it's a sad scene, it'll be blue, you know. If it's a uh, twist or a turn or emotional scene, you know, or action, and uh, and then we just start asking God to help us to, uh, to to tell a story that will engage people, so they'll be laughing, they'll be crying, they'll be challenged, they'll learn something in the process, and hopefully that their lives will be changed as the gospel or as the word of God penetrates into their hearts. What you all have been able to do so well is to have a real feel uh, to your movies. I mean, I I know. I don't know how old you are. I'm 65. I'll be 65 in February. And I remember watching the, uh, the old movies as the church was trying to move into cinema and to convey the gospel message. Uh, and at that time, just into the church itself and they were pretty wooden. Uh, they weren't real. They were kind of amateurish. Uh, you all have moved so far beyond that and you've gotten the dialogue down, uh, very, very well that it communicates well how difficult is that? Well, um, I think one of the things that helps us is the fact that Alex and I love each other, we pray for each other, but we're also blunt with one another as to what's not realistic or what's not working. And so the ideas that get thrown around in the making of a movie are endless. You know, it could be a camera angle or a CG shot or a, a line of dialogue, but we do always want to, for there to be a sense of authenticity. So we try to pick 
storylines that could really happen or have happened, you know, around us. We try to pick locations that are real locations. So we're not building, you know, spaceships, you know, in, in, in 2025, you know, in our films. And then we try to do a lot of research on the lives of people who have been through the journey that we're telling. And so with firefighting, we spent time at the fire department and talked about, you know, for Fireproof, the movie, you know, what, what, what marriage fights do you have with your wife? You know, what do you struggle with? What's life like? What, what is the name of the gear? And uh, for Courageous, we called Stephen Curtis Chapman and some other people who've lost a child. Mm. And we've said, you know, what is that journey like? And what's a realistic dialogue that this couple would be saying? And then we will let people, uh, professionals, be on our set, whether it be a captain of the fire department or police department, and or, or jump roping, for that matter, for War Room, and let them make sure that everything we're doing is legitimate and lines up. And then even in the finished edit, if anything comes off as being inauthentic or unrealistic, we, we, we try to be uh, honest about that and, and take it out so that hopefully you're, you're, you're seeing truth communicated on the, on, the scene, on the screen in a realistic, authentic context. All right. All right well, let, let's talk quickly about something else. And, and I think this is something that uh, I think our audience should hear about. Are you seeing people that ha- are in the acting business now that are believers, they're Christ followers, maybe saw what you were doing at the beginning and said, you know, the, those are those are good tries, they're, they're moving along, and now you've gotten to the point where you've got some actors and actresses that are actually contacting you and saying, you know, if you got something in the future, I might be interested. Yes, that is absolutely right. When we started off, uh, that, you just described the journey. There, people are kind of giving us a nod, saying, "You know, hey, good try. I, I, I see your heart, but mm-hmm. you know, the, the performances are a little bit stiff or wooden or amateurish." And so, and we are at a point, you know, where we are being contacted more, and people are more excited and agreeable. And even we've even had, you know, Sony Studio initiate, "Hey, would you want to contact these professional actors or actresses to be in your next film or whatever?" Wow. And we come back to really praying it through, you know, God, who have you chosen to represent this message? You know, who will represent it well on and off the screen and not just in between the, the opening titles and the end credits? You know, we want people who believe in the message, who are passionate about it in their own personal lives and will model it in their behavior. You know, so that that can be hard to find. Sometimes you can find people that are amazing actors. And uh, but they hate God, you know, or they are yeah. not living for him at all. Or you find people who love Jesus with all their hearts, but they couldn't act if their life depended on it. So it's uh, it can be sometimes searching for a needle in a haystack. Yeah, I can imagine that's that's a very, you know, tough line to walk and a very tough, you know, place to be at times to find the talent that you need to do these. But. I mean, God's been had his hand on you all. It's very obvious since about since 2003, he'll deliver those people to you. I, I'm sure that you believe That's that. Exactly right. You know, I, I know you exactly do. That's exactly right. So tell me. We, we, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I'll let I was, was going to say on War Room, he just continued to prove that when we found Miss Clara two weeks before the shooting, mm-hmm. and she was going to the church that had let us borrow their facilities to do our casting call. And uh, the Lord had just been preparing her basically her whole life 
for that role of being Miss Claire. She was excellent in the movie. And uh, if God is in it, he will provide, and he has already been preparing the people that will be needed for that role. So we're, we're excited to know that by faith. Well, here's an opportunity for people to see War Room again. Uh, they may have seen it once. I think, I, I, you know, I think I've seen it three times now. I really appreciate the movie. It, it's, it's uh, you know, it's pierced my heart at times to some of the things it shows about how our, our lives get so busy that we forget about, you know, we major on the minors and minors on, on the majors. So uh, what are you hearing from the audiences? I'm sure you guys get uh, – get testimonials back from from your audience members. Absolutely. Um, when War Room came out, there were uh, people saying God God showed up in the theater. You know, there were uh, black churches and white churches embracing after the movie was over with mm-hmm. and praying together for their city after they had seen the film. We heard of marriages being impacted and blessed, businesses, people launching prayer rooms in their churches, uh, people were uploading to Facebook uh, that they were either launching a prayer ministry in their church or they had built their own war room in their house. And so it's anything and everything. You know, when the Lord shows up, every person needs to hear something unique uh, to their situation. And if they respond in faith and in obedience, God will God will do something great. So uh, it's always exciting to see lives being changed and marriages saved and families restored uh, when the Lord gets involved. Well, I got, if my listeners would kill me if I didn't ask this question. What's next? What are you guys working on? We are actually praying towards and writing a script for our next film. Okay. We're excited about that. We would ask people to be praying for us. Uh, We are looking towards uh, the release of hopefully being in the fall of 2019 but we are we are planning and praying right now. God's already given us the storyline and uh, some some key elements that we're starting to to move towards. So we would just ask people, please don't send us your script ideas. We won't be able to use them, but please pray for us. You know, pray for the script writing process and uh, pray for the Lord to guide all of those decisions and as He's done in the past to provide what we need and most importantly that lives would be changed around the world as people watch the film. Stephen Kendrick, I appreciate your time. War Room is the movie. You know a lot of the other ones that, they, that they've done with Courageous and, and all the rest. Uh, you probably have seen them at the theaters just like I have. But uh, you guys keep fighting the good fight. The Lord is blessing you in a mighty way. Keep on following his path. Amen. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Bye-bye now. All right. Interesting interview. Great uh Things happening. First movie, twenty thousand dollars to make it, <laughs> and it made several million dollars. It's incredible what they have done in the short period of time that they have been in the, the movie business. Hey, don't forget about Lewis Family Beef. Been talking about them now for about a month and a half. Great, great family business out in Greenbrier, and uh, they offer to you clean beef. And by that, I mean number one. All their cattle are born on their ranch, are raised on their ranch, uh, turned over to packing house from their ranch. They don't have any antibiotics uh, that have been used on them or any hormones. Uh, if they have had antibiotics, they, the way that they do it is they take them out of the, the opportunity to be uh, sold as food. So just know that they do a great job for you uh, as far as keeping that beef clean. They also 
raise their uh, cows out in the uh, the meadow, so to speak, so that they're not all stressed out. You've not a, got a, a less stressed cow. You have a very much of a tender cow as well. They turn uh, the the beef that you want. If you buy a quarter of a cow or half of a cow or a whole cow, uh, they turn that over to the uh, packing house. Packing house will give you a call. They'll ask you how you want it uh, divvied up. How much do you want ground beef? What kind of steaks you want? How thick do you want those steaks? Bone in, bone out, the whole nine yards. Then when it's all ready for you, they'll call the Lewis family. Lewis family will then pick up your beef and deliver it to your home absolutely uh, free. All you have to do is get a hold of Cody or Sarah, uh, Cody or Sarah Lewis at 501 514 or pardon me, 1494, and they'll help you uh, talk to you over the phone. Or, easiest way to be honest with you, Facebook.com, Lewis Family Beef. Get clean beef for your family through Lewis Family Beef. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about our good friend, uh, David Lucas. You know, everything you know about claiming your Social Security benefits changed the first day of this year as the government always changes different things about Social Security. So you got to be very careful about when you start claiming your benefits uh, because if you're not, you can end up losing out on tens of thousands of dollars in lifetime benefits that are rightfully yours as well as get higher taxes and increased Medicare premiums. You can get the facts in an updated 2018 guide to Social Security from David Lucas of the David Lucas Show. Hear that every Saturday uh, here on 96.5 FM, The Answer, 10 a.m., again, 3 p.m. And uh, this guide, simple, easy to read, packed full of up-to-date information uh, for this year that can help you avoid losing any kind of money on your lifetime benefits. Get your free 2018 guide to Social Security. Be one of the first 10 callers at 501-653-6690. That's 501-653-6690. All right, so I've been watching the uh, Internet and all of my uh, news sites and thus far have heard nothing uh, about the memo. The memo being the memo that's sitting uh, up in a, a committee uh, in Congress, that they're supposed to vote on uh, more, I hear about it, looks like 4.30 today. The FBI has asked them not to release it. The DOJ has asked not to release it. Uh, sounds like the Republicans in the committee are going to release it. It'll be up to the president then. I think he has about five days to make up his mind. And uh, he has said uh, repeatedly in the last few days that he'd like to replace uh, or uh, let it out, uh, you know, as soon as possible. Over the re- uh, weekend, Trey Gowdy talked about it, and uh, here's what he had to say. You think your viewers want to know whether or not the dossier was used in court proceedings, whether or not it was vetted before it was used, whether or not it's ever been vetted. If you are interested in who paid for the dossier, if you're interested in Christopher Steele's relationship with Hillary Clinton and the Democrat National Committee, then yes, you'll want the memo to come out. That's pretty clear. Let's play that one more time. Hit that one more time. 
If you think your viewers want to know whether or not the dossier was used in court proceedings, whether or not it was vetted before it was used, whether or not it's ever been vetted, if you are interested in who paid for the dossier, if you're interested in Christopher Steele's relationship with Hillary Clinton and the Democrat National Committee, then yes, you'll want the memo to come out. <laughs> and if you don't, may I say, you probably don't want it to come out. If if you're uh, if there's a D after your name, you probably don't want it to come out. Almost positive that you feel that way. And from what I've heard, that uh, Comey's name is uh, mentioned in it. Uh, Rothenstein's name is mentioned in it. McCabe's name was mentioned in it. And we all know what happened to McCabe today. He resigned. He's out. He's done. We got more to talk about about that later on in the show. But when we come back, we've got one of the big wigs from the state capitol here. Alan Kerr. Alan Kerr, he's the insurance commissioner. He'll be with us. We got a lot to talk to him about here on the Dave Ellswick Show, Fox News Next. Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Steven. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit, commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are a married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year, and we offer a no-risk consultation. So call us today and get the benefit you've earned. We have a proven track record, and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at Jurist Law group j-u-r-i-s-t lawgroup.com call us at 501-400-8250 or google me kimbro stevens and we look forward to hearing from you they'll take care of turning it on for you did it go red is it red okay so your microphone is now hot alan you're ready the microphone's always hot there Dave. you go you're right there always assume it is always least. assume it's hot all right this is just uh, breaking out uh, from arkansas online that'd be the dim gas State Senator Jake Files pleaded guilty uh, today in federal court on charges of wire fraud, bank fraud, and money laundering. Files charged in a federal complaint of misusing state general improvement fund money. I tell you, that gift money gets you all the time. And then pledging a forklift that he did not own as collateral for a bank loan in 2016. After his plea hearing... Files was released on a $5,000 signature bond pending sentencing. The FBI executed a search warrant against Files back in August in relation to violation of federal wire fraud and money laundering laws, according to federal court records. An affidavit states Files put to his own use more than $25,000 in state gift fund money he had obtained for the defunct River Valley Sports Complex project on uh, Fort Smith property. Files admitted he falsified bids for waterline work for the complex that was awarded to an employee. The employee said she turned over to Files the general improvement fund money that Files obtained for the project and that he used it to pay workers of his construction company and give employee bonuses, pocketing the remaining cash. The Fort Smith Republican, who has served in the state Senate since uh, 2011. Sad way to end your career. 
Uh, be, I would think that his career is over. I can't believe that his career would continue. But I think everybody asks the same question that I do. $25,000? Well, I guess you could sell your birthright for a, a bowl of stew. But still, you know what I'm saying? It's just kind of crazy. Uh, $25,000, dude. You make $25,000 running pizzas at night. Come yeah. on. Be, be for real here. This has got to be kind of, you know, sad for you, Alan, you served with some of these folks yeah, and, and they've just went down the wrong alleyway. Well, that temptation, Dave, sometimes is more powerful than, than some people can, can handle. I mean, you know, happens in the, uh, in the insurance business all the time. One of the, the, the primary, primary problems we have with at the insurance department is, uh, the things that we investigate are uh, agents who can't seem to take that money and put it toward premium. They put it in their pocket. So, really? Yes. Yes. So and, the, the, the person who's buying the insurance thinks that they paid their premium and that money's gone to the insurance company when, in fact, it went in the pocket of the agent. That's correct. Wow. And usually, unfortunately, they don't find out until there's a claim. And lo and behold, there's no insurance policy. Oh. And then people start going, Hmm. How did that happen? Yeah. That's when you all get involved. Yes. Yes. And that's what we're for. Uh, we're there as the regulators and the watchdogs for the, uh, for the public to make sure their policies are good. Make sure that, uh, insurance companies are doing what they say they're going to do and make sure agents are doing what they say they're going to do. So unbelievable. You know, having been an agent myself for over 40 years, I, uh, I know how, all those things work. I know how they should work. I know how some of them get around some of those things. Yeah. So I've got a pretty, pretty good insight to what, uh, what to look for. I mean, do you sit down? I mean, you got how many, I know you've cut back in your department. Right. How many people do you have now? How many did you start off with? I start off with about 200 and we're down to about 156 now. Okay. Yeah. You know, and do, how many people are like in, in investigations? Is that where most of your people kind of sit at? Um, not really most of them. We have quite a few of them down there, but we do have a lot of investigators. We've got actually three departments that investigate. We've got the first line, which is the consumer services department, mm-hmm. which takes the, the first phone call, the first complaint, and so forth. If it gets to that level, we send it up to our legal department. We have some folks that work in legal that, that go into the agent's offices if need be and start pulling files and those kind of things. And then if it's uh, under, uh, uh, if it reaches to the, the level of a prosecution, we have a, we have a criminal investigation division. These are guys, we have an actual police force. Most people don't know that. Yeah, carry I guns. didn't know that. That's the first carry, time I learned. Yeah. I've heard this. They carry guns, and uh, that division is uh, uh, police officers and lawyers. We have prosecu- prosecutory authority. Mm-hmm. We can prosecute folks without having to take them to the, uh, the county prosecutor prosecute them on our own so we make sure it gets done and um uh the rest you know is up to the court system after that but um we've got uh, several levels of uh of authority that we use all right so what's been the biggest challenge i mean i haven't talked to you very often now that you become commissioner because doggone it you're a busy guy you yeah. know and i say can you join me and go not this week, not this month, maybe yeah. not this year, but the, yeah. here's the key. I mean, you know, what's the biggest problem? Well, it's not even problem. What Maybe it was something that you're happy to find 
that that you that you you found out about this job that you didn't know you're going to you're going to have well um what i found out about this job it goes much bigger than the state of arkansas it's actually uh, um you know our office is involved in a lot of national issues uh, the thing about it is a lot of things that that we have here in arkansas are not just arkansas problems or arkansas benefits they are they are national issues and all, all the insurance companies or i'm sorry all the insurance uh, departments across the country have an association called the national association of insurance commissioners and um, through that association, we're able to share ideas and come up with solutions. Um, so we don't have to do them on our own. We can compare notes, all those things, because the companies we do business with are actual, most of them national companies. They do business in more than one state. Right. So if we're able to compare notes, they can't really pull anything over on one state or the other. So as commissioner, uh, how much input do you have with other commissioners to uh, the Congress when they're thinking about, you know, like health care reform, which you're dealing with, you know, still today. Uh, and, they're, and they're wanting to know, well, what do we got to do to be able to sell health insurance over state lines? Do they, do they touch base with you guys to get your take on that kind of stuff? Yes, they do. I mean, we've got a committee uh, within the NEIC that uh, deals on uh, and with national issues. Um, the uh, I'm not particularly on that committee, but um, we, we do have one that deals with, uh, with national issues and Washington and, you know, all those intricacies that come along with that subject. All right. So now you've been in your position for how long now? Three years. Three years. During that time, what's the biggest changes you've made? What kind of accomplishments have you been able to, to uh, eke out of uh, government? Well, one of the first things that the governor and I talked about uh, as far as the insurance department goes and, and all of his agencies actually is, is efficiencies. What can we do to make things more efficient? Obviously, the first thing to do is, is we went from nearly 200 employees to 156. That's, that's first of all. Uh, the other things that we do, um, you know, we, we um, uh, created an online licensing platform. That saved $3 million just in, in software construction alone. Um, we saved about $572,000 in uh, software development cost by uh, using a third party instead of trying to build it on our own. Right. Um, you know, we, we use uh, uh, less expensive data backup systems, backup technology. Um, um, we sold off just some, some things like we sold off some old, uh, some, some tablets and Wi-Fi devices, cell phones, changed cell phone carriers. They were taking our head off. Really? You know, yeah. I mean, a lot of, I a won't lot of, ask you who it was. No, well, a lot of people just come into a job like this and just don't change anything. Status quo. Hey, we're going to let it run. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not me. I go in and I, I make, I make improvements. Um, for instance, um, we have grown our producer and adjuster licensing by 40% since I took office. Producer and adjuster licensing. Uh, adjustment. 40%. Okay. We went from 87,000 licenses to 122 licenses, okay? And one of the ways we did that is we, we brought in 67 more companies to do business in the state of Arkansas. Now, 67 more insurance companies doing business in the state of Arkansas, that's, that's, those are jobs. Right. Those are jobs. And proof of the reason I know those are jobs because I've increased the licensing that people are asking for by 40%. Each one of those licenses is a job. 
Correct. That's somebody that's that's somebody working. selling insurance or working. So um, we've even licensed, uh, you know, trying to stay current with technology. We got, we've licensed three insure tech companies. That's a new word that most people don't know about. Insurance tech. Insure tech. Insure tech. Insure tech. Um, a company called Root uh, sells auto insurance solely online. Okay. Then you've got a company called Lemonade that sells renter's insurance online. Um, another company called TipTap that sells flood insurance online. Now, previously, the only way to get flood insurance was through, through the government. Nas- through the government, yeah. National Flood Insurance Program. This is a um, private flood insurance company that really? we've invited into Arkansas. Uh, they were currently doing business in Florida. I found out about them. I sat down, talked with them, and and asked them to come to Arkansas. So they are up and running in Arkansas. You can go to a an app uh, called TipTap, T-Y-P-T-A-P, put in your address. It gives you, you put in the amount of coverage you want, and it gives you uh, a rate. Wow. And the, Quick, next, huh? the next page is the application. Well, that sounds pretty good. That sounds Quick, like technology clean, doing it good for you. Technology huh? doing doing great. Um, you know, we, we as need, far we, now. Let me just ask: as far yeah. as you're concerned, now that's a public company. Private would be, of course, the the government. Is the public company doing a better job than the than the government's doing? Uh, yes. Okay. Did you have to of ask? Of course. Well, no. <laughs> I mean, I knew probably what the answer yeah. was going to be. Well, I mean, they're they're about half the cost. And far more efficient. With the government, there's all kinds of red tape. I sold NFI, National Flood Insurance Program insurance for decades. Mm-hmm. It is the hardest thing on God's earth to do. But this company has made it just as easy as buying a renter's policy. That's cool. That's cool. That's very, very cool. And, okay, so that's called Lemonade? Lemonade. No, that's called no. TipTap, the, the Tip flood insurance tap. company. TipTap, T-Y-P-T-A-P. Okay. T-Y-P-T-A-P. okay. Keep okay. that in mind if you need any kind of flood insurance. Um, our consumer services department has recovered for our citizens over $7 million since 2015. Um, we have a great consumer services department. I mean, again, this is our front line of, of, uh, people calling in with questions. Um, my, you know, my, my adjuster says my car needs to be totaled. Do I have to total my car? Mm Um, you know, uh, uh, they're not, I, I can't get my adjuster to return my phone call. Those kind of things. Right. My agent's constantly out of the office. I've got a claim. Who do I call? They handle simple things like that. They handle the complicated things too. Um, you go to the website, Arkansas insurance department.com or I'm sorry.gov and, um, fill out a, a, a complaint form that goes straight to this department and somebody contacts you. Um, just here recently, we had a lot of uh, um, frozen water pipe claims. I can only imagine. <laughs> uh, you can imagine, yeah. Uh, if you need assistance, that, that number, um, if you want to call that number, is 800-852-5494. And uh, somebody be there to help you out. We've right. also got um, um, a department that handles uh, issues for people over 65. A lot of baby boomers right now turning 65, Mr. Ellswick. Yeah. Uh, the next month, as a matter of fact, happy birthday. Yeah, yeah. Um, 18 days. That's right. And uh, um, we got a department called our Senior Health Insurance Information Program, or SHIP. And I was really interested in this when you just yeah. mentioned this to me a minute ago. 
they will um, uh, they work all over the state to assist Arkansans with their Medicare benefits. Um, Medicare is, is a big stage of your life that you go into, and everybody has a sign up for it uh, at one time or another. They can walk you through all those uh, those issues and all those things that you can do uh, to make that a lot easier. There's like nine different options when you uh, sign up for Medicare, and yeah, uh, I'm taking an not all of them. You tell me there's something else that. I probably have to do to make sure I don't get in trouble. Right, right. Um, they help you find a doctor. They tell you, you know, what programs uh, are better for you and what areas you live in. Um, we have lots of volunteers out there. They're not all employees of the insurance department. We mm-hmm. have a lot of volunteers that volunteer with this program. And uh, they're in your community um, uh, community service areas, uh, churches, all kinds of places all over the state. Uh, just call us and we'll hook you up with one in your area. Um, I'll call you soon. Yeah. Hold uh, your thought. We got, we got an average, uh, 25,000 contracts across the state. Yes. All right, hold, hold your thought. We got to come back. Got to get a break in. It's Dave Ellswick show. Alan Kerr is here. Alan Kerr used to be on my show all the time. Then he became insurance commissioner. Then I got busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not on the show as much as he used to be. Although February 16th, he's filling in for me. That's right. Yeah, you'll be sitting here in the studio. Hey, don't forget about uh, Horton's Prosthetic and Orthotics. They're at uh, 5220 West 12th Street in Little Rock. Uh, Their phone number, 501-663-2908. A family-owned business. Gary Horton started this business back in the 80s. Uh, He now has both of his sons and one of his daughters working uh, at the business as well. They do a fantastic job, and I'll tell you why. Compassion. I mean, Look, they know all the, you know, how to, how to build the prosthetics and orthotics and all the rest, but they have the compassion that for you that need their, uh, particular, uh, you know, work, uh, that they do, uh, they want you to be able to reach, uh, your height of mobility that you're hoping to get to. And they get to know their, their patients on a, like a, first name basis, working with the folks, making sure that they're taken really well care of. They build prosthetics right in the, uh, the bottom, uh, or the basement of the business. It's an amazing place to go visit sometime. You'll find Mike down there and Chris will be down there from time to time. Gary, the owner will be down there at times. It's amazing what all, uh, uh this family can do. And ladies, if you've had, uh, to have a breast removed or both breasts removed, uh, because of, uh, you know, breast cancer, know that uh, the folks at Horton stand ready to help you get yourself esteem back and things, are, uh, you know, make sure that you have the prosthetics that you need. Uh, the phone number again is 501-663-2908, and that is Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics. All right, Alan Kerr is our special guest this hour. If you got a question for him, 823-0965, 823-0965. He's the uh, Arkansas insurance commissioner, and we got a call in, Alan, about TipTap. They said they went to the website, and it says that they're only in Florida. Okay. They're in process of getting up and running in Arkansas. They haven't sold any policies yet. Okay. Uh, give them about, about another month or two, and uh, about 60 days, they should be up and fully functional. Okay. This, you're a little bit in front of the wave so to speak yeah but i like to say uh you might be able to send them an, an email or something and say when 
in Arkansas. I just heard my insurance commissioner says yeah. you're going to come to, to Arkansas. When? And that's right. They'll give you an answer on that. Absolutely. As far as that's concerned. Insurance.arkansas.gov is the website. Okay. We got two minutes before Fox news. So okay. you, you tell me you were just explaining during the break about this thing about life insurance that I found very interesting. Yeah, we have a, uh, uh, we built a new life insurance locator, uh, policy locator. In other words, if you have a loved one that dies, um, and, uh, you're not sure if they had a life insurance policy or not, can't find it, whatever, uh, you're just not sure if they've ever had a policy. Uh, you can go to this locator again, there's a, a link on the insurance.arkansas.gov website and, uh, put their name information in and so forth. And it will search the entire database of all the companies. Uh, uh-huh. All the companies are required to, to uh, subscribe to this mm-hmm. now, and um, it'll search out whether they had a, a policy or not. Well, that really helps a lot. It of really people. helps a lot. We've already, in the short time it's been up, we've gotten uh, just over $900,000 in lost policy uh, benefits for folks. Um, it, we've had 40,000 people uh, through searches. 77 people were matched. So, um, I mean, it, it, uh, it, for those 77 people, it made all the difference. Well, sure. You know, because, you know, look, you, you, you love your mother and your dad and your husband and yeah. all the rest, but you know, a lot of times people buy stuff and they don't tell they anybody don't tell you about it. Right. And the thing about it is, um, you know, the insurance companies used to count this as part of their bottom line. They used to count this as their part of their revenue, but not, you know, they had a, a certain percentage of people that weren't going to file claims. They got to keep the money. Uh, well, I found out I find that reprehensible. So I, I we we built this website. All right. When we come back after Fox News, Alan still be here. Your calls eight two three zero nine six five eight two three zero nine six five. I want to talk about buying health insurance over state lines. We got a lot of other things to talk about with him. How about driverless cars and what kind of can of worms does that open? That's all coming up. All right. Back with you. Uh, if you heard hadn't heard, Jake Files has uh, pled guilty to wire fraud, and uh, he's out on a $5,000 bond uh, until he's sentencing, and we haven't heard what uh, he's going to be sentenced to. I just just know that's not It wasn't not a $25,000 bond? No, I thought it was five grand. Let me look again. Just Let me make sure on that. I mean, that's the money he got out of it. I figured it would be yeah, on bond. Yeah, would be after 25. his plea hearing, uh, Files was released on a $5,000 signature bond pending wow. sentencing. Uh, FBI ex- executed a search warrant against files in August. Uh, luckily they, there was no, uh, uh, laptop that was involved in it. Uh, in real, that's a <laughs> little zing towards yeah. the FBI. Yeah. Uh, an affidavit states files put to his own use more than $25,000 in state general improvement fund money. He had obtained for the defunct River Valley Sports Complex project on Fort Smith property. Files attempt uh, admitted, sorry, admitted he falsified bids for waterline work for the complex that was awarded to an employee. The employee said she turned over to Files the general improvement fund money that Files obtained for the project, and that he used it to pay workers of his construction company and give employee bonuses pocketing the remaining cash. The uh, Fort Smith Republican has served in the state Senate since uh, 2011. Now that that has happened, um, I wonder if Dismang will ask him to step down as a state senator. I don't think that's happened yet. 
I don't know. You know, that that's up to Jonathan Dismang. Yeah, it point. is. Uh, he has, um, I would think that since he's pled guilty, that probably may be, as the old saying goes, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Right. You know, as far as that's right. go. So what are some things that uh, are major? I know, I know one thing everybody's got in their, uh, their mind, health insurance policies. I mean, yeah. you're, you're kind of the man who tries to keep those under control. You've done a, a good job of doing that. Uh, we haven't seen those big double, you know, percentage increases here in Arkansas yet. Right. We've had, uh, uh, we've had some minor increases by, by relationship to the rest of the country. Most of the country, I mean, they're in the, the 35, 40% increase each year, which is just, what, I, what, I just, I just can't imagine. Do you call those guys up and say, what are you guys I, doing your job? I'm, I'm in the meetings, meeting room with them all the time. And, and they just, I mean, it, it comes to tears. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's really hard for them. They should be, Fortunately, asking, they should be asking what it is you do. That's keeping yeah, things under control. Believe me, I get calls all the time. Um, but you asked about, uh, health insurance policies across state lines. Those are going to be done pri- primarily, you know, once Washington does their thing. Um, and, uh, lets us do, uh, health insurance policies through associations. Now associations are like the realtors association or the, uh, the broadcasters association, those kind of things. They can, a group of people can come together and create an association and, and build their own health plan. Now, let me stop you there. Has that already been approved? No. Okay. So we got to get that done first. Right. And I am for it as a commissioner and the state commissioners are all for it. If they put it in such a way that we can regulate those policies and keep our citizens safe. You see what I mean? We, we need to have some way to regulate those on a state by state basis. Yeah. So that, you know, that people aren't just going out and taking people. Correct. Correct. Okay. And the last thing you want is the federal government involved in that kind of regulation. Okay. So, um, the federal government does not regulate the insurance industry. Okay. Did you that's know that? That's a good thing. Well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. We're the last holdout. They do not regulate us like they do the banking industry. The states regulate their own industry. Okay. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that is good. <clears throat> so. Because you know how to regulate in this state. They don't. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, uh, uh, we're specialists in our own state. You know, we know what our state citizens want. So, uh, the, uh, uh, the best thing they can do is leave us alone. Okay, so you've been a state legislator. You've been a local legislator. You've been a state legislator. You've not been you've not been a uh, a federal legislator yet. Uh, when you when you look at this and you say, okay, they got to do the associations. They got to be able now to let us buy uh, insurance over state lines. Having been a politician, yes, how long do you think it would take them <laughs> to work through that? Um, a long time. Wow. A shorter period of time or, you know, snowball's chance. You know, it, it, <laughs> it all, it all depends on how, how high up, uh, the, the president puts it on his agenda. I mean, it was one of his campaign promises. Yes. Okay. Now, you know, the, uh, um, the tax, uh, reforms were high up on his agenda. He got them done. Now we're talking about, um, immigration. immigration. So I'm hoping that, that once we get the, the budget lined out and immigration settled on, that this is the next thing. Okay. Okay. As far as predictions, that's about all I can do. 
mean, um, do, I mean do, you're, do I'm our, hoping I'm hoping to get them done the next year. Do our congressmen <laughs> or senators come into your office, sit down with you, and talk about this kind of stuff? Absolutely, absolutely. Like how? What would you like us to do, Alan? I mean, how would you want this to be fashioned? Is that how they, what they talk to you about? That's pretty much the way the conversation goes. Uh, we have a lot of input. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, because most of these guys don't know anything about insurance, so they come to us. We do nothing but insurance. Right. And we do nothing but talk to the public about their insurance. So we're um, we're a pretty good source of, of information when it comes to those kind of things. All right. Let me get another break in, then we'll come back. we got another segment that we want to do with Alan here before we finish up. I want him to talk a little bit about what they do for you. We've talked about, you know, they, they do a lot for you folks that are retired, myself, I'm not retired yet, but if you're 65 or older, uh, they do things for you. Uh, how, how do they watch the insurance market to make sure you're protected? We've talked a little bit about that, but there's a lot of other things that we can talk about. We've talked about even uh, flood insurance. Right. Don't forget about New Balance uh, shoes out on Highway 10. They measure your feet digitally, and it's used uh, a Brannock device is what they use. And uh, they can not only tell how long your feet are, but how wide your feet are. And both of those numbers are extremely important when you're looking for a comfortable uh, pair of shoes to wear, whether it's for work, whether it's for play, whether it's you're an athlete, you get out and you run. You want to know exactly what kind of uh, size shoe you're supposed to wear. Children's shoes, they got those in stock at New Balance. They come in extra wide widths as well. They have New Balance shoes for men and women. In 2A narrow, all the way up to 6E wide. And it's the only New Balance store in Little Rock that makes custom footbeds that give you ultimate comfort. That's New Balance on Highway 10. That's Cantrell in West Little Rock. All right, back with you. Don't forget about Aero Plumbing. If you need a plumber, I highly recommend Aero Plumbing. I've uh, done their commercials now since 2003. And, uh, they have been with me since that time, uh, whether here or wherever I've been here in the city on the radio, Earl runs a great business. I mean, he's got master plumbers. He's got plumbers that when they come to your house, uh, coming there with a warehouse on wheels, by that, I mean, they drive a truck up to your house. That's got most of the parts in the back, uh, that, uh, they would use on a traditional call. Uh, for a plumbing issue, uh, if you need uh, something special, they've got a warehouse. They can get that part out to the plumber in a short period of time. And they've got the technology. If they come out and you say, hey, I'm, I've got a leak. It's underneath my slab. Now, they don't have to, you know, jackhammer through your slab for the most part. I mean, there's always that possibility. I don't want to tell you that never happens, but it very seldom happens now because Earl uh, can go underneath your slab. He can burrow underneath and they can fix the problem while they're underneath under the ground. They can do that for your home. They can do it for your business. Think about that. If you got a business and you've got a parking lot and you got a, you got a, you know, some kind of plumbing problem, it's underneath your par- parking lot. Instead of digging up the parking lot and taking away, let's say two thirds of your parking, they go underneath of it. They fix it. And you never lose uh, somebody who's there to do business with you. Aero Plumbing does all that type of stuff for you, as well as giving you all the kinds of service you expect when they're in your in your house or in your business. Just visit them online at Aero Plumbing. Just check it out on Google, Google or 
uh, hit them at aeroplumbing.net. So you'll find all the information that you need at those two local uh, locations. All right, my guest uh, is Alan Kerr. He's the commissioner of insurance here in the state of Arkansas. We've had a really interesting discussion thus far. I found out things. I thought I, I'm pretty well astute at things that are around. And I found out several things here that I did not know. Uh, this whole thing of helping uh, retirees and people over 65. I didn't know that Absolutely. you had a special department for that. Uh, they'll, you know, all the accomplishments that they've had from what I've heard, maybe uh, 18 to $20 million you've saved in three years. That's, yes, Im- that's impressive to say Thank the you. least. So uh, if you got a question, 823-0965, cause I'm going to move into a, uh, a kind of science fiction mode now, but it's science, oh, it's science fact, fact coming up now. <laughs> Eight two three zero nine six five eight two three zero nine six five, and and we've talked about this a lot here on the show. Uh, typically, it's with Joe and Duck when we're talking about cars, and that is the autonomous car. If you watch any kind of commercials on television, and you're seeing car commercials, they'll stop themselves. They'll stop themselves going backwards. They'll keep you in the lane that you're supposed to to be in. They've got, uh, you know, radar on them that can see through fog. There's just all kinds of things that your car can do now that it doesn't depend on you to drive it, so to speak. Well, it's going to get even more accomplished as far as that goes. I, I saw a, some pictures of luxury cars five years from now, and there is no steering wheel in the car. Right. Ever, I mean, it's really cool looking. It is. Do you ever think about your, your, uh, your auto mechanic having to have an IT department? Most of them do now. They do. They do. They all have to. Well, you know, we've uh, we've been looking at the at what 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 are we going to do with insurance uh, when the autonomous cars become a. Uh, uh, we had this discussion. Who do you blame? The car designer. That's right. The software designer. The hardware designer. The driver because they did something they shouldn't even have touched. What? Yeah. Where's that liability fall? Yeah. And, uh, uh, those are the issues that we're dealing with nowadays and trying to come up with solutions. But, uh, at the end of the day, this is not, uh, science fiction. This is going to be science fact. And just, just a very short period of time, I'd say by, uh, by the end of the next decade, by the end of the, the, the 19 or the, huh, the 2020s, um, self-driving cars are going to be a thing of, the, of, of that, that we're used to. Um, you got Alexa, right? You've seen the commercials where they're showing Alexa. Yeah. You can you can tell Alexa, who is connected to your car by Bluetooth, by the way, to uh, Alexa, I'm going to need to go to the store in about 30 minutes. Would you prepare the car? Well, it'll pull the car up in, you know, out of the garage, have it running, have it Warm warmed it up. up. And, uh, uh, you know, when you go, approach the car, it'll open the door. You get in and, and you tell it where you want to go. Hey, I'm ready to go to church or whatever the case may be. As we talked about before, uh, driverless vehicles are uh, going to be for the seeing impaired what texting was for the hearing impaired. Mm-hmm. They'll be able to go and, and tell their car where they want to go, and uh, the car will take them there. And same thing for people over 65, people that really shouldn't be driving after a certain age. Uh, if you're 85, 90 years old, sometimes you're, you, you have no problem driving. Others have a little trouble. So... Uh, uh, and their kids are nervous about them driving as well as their insurance agents, I would say. So you, you, these driverless vehicles would uh, would take that stress away. And if you're younger and you want to spend more time on your phone than paying attention to the road, here would be the right. perfect 
perfect thing for you. Well, you know, you folks who drive from uh, White County to, to Little Rock to go to work or the other side of Cabot, and uh, you'd like to read the paper on the way, but uh, you really can't do that because you're driving. Well, some you, people on some I'm people do it anyway. Some people do it anyway. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, I know. They got the paper on the steering wheel. Yeah, and their breakfast. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, this way it will be legal, and uh, um, you'll have that extra time in, in the day to do uh, to to live your life to do, you know. Those things that you like to do. Now me, your twenty-five minutes. Yeah, I like to drive. I do too. I'm a driver, you know, and and I like I like to control that car. Um, <clears throat> there's just, you know, there, some people. You're, you know, uh, our generation, and and even those coming up behind us. Uh, you, you're going to do an awful lot to get that pickup truck out of our driveway. But, um, uh, and and that's a good question. What does that mean, Alan? Does it mean that they're going to have to design highways where autonomous cars are in these lanes, non-autonomous cars are in other lanes. I mean, how are they going to regulate all of that? Well, um, honestly, you're going to have a mixture of all kinds of vehicles, just like you have a mixture of trucks and cars and uh, hybrids and things. Now, um, when I went to uh, I went to California and uh, visited Google at their uh, headquarters there. And they've got an entire garage. When I say a garage, we're talking about acres of autonomous cars that they just send out on the street. And when they do, they're out gathering information. Okay. Um, in order for to, to teach a car how to do something, it has to experience it. So um, uh, a barricade on a corner where they're doing some utility work, that car's got to register that and record that into its brain so that the next time it knows what to do about it and how to avoid it and those kinds of things. Because now we're talking artificial intelligence. Yes. Now we're talking uh, a car that has to make a decision, and that's the scary part. Yeah, who lives, who dies right. sometimes. If you got two people in a crosswalk, which one does it hit? That kind of question. Yeah. So um, anyway, uh, just for every great um, technology that we, that we, uh, that man, uh, provides us, there are always drawbacks to it and always a double-edged sword, right? Always a double-edged sword. And the question has come up about autonomous cars that can be used as weapons and, you know, loaded up with dynamite and those kinds of things. So all those things we, we, as an insurance department, we are studying and trying to come up with ways to make the public safer. Yeah. It's, it's, then you got people like me that says, well, do I want to have that smart of a car and what keeps the government from hacking into it and getting it off on exit 123 and stopping by the local government office? Right. Well, and, and that's another subject we can talk about is is cyber insurance and cyber liability because, yes, um, whatever man makes, another man can get into and, yeah. and use, as, as, uh, use against us. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've I mean, seen the, the movies. You yeah, know. How do you feel? I mean, this is all new stuff. Right. You're on the cusp of all of this stuff. What are some of the really weird questions that you're seeing come out of these discussions? Can oh, you think my goodness. off the top of your head some of the things that have been asked? You know, um, yeah. I, I mean, can somebody hack into your car and uh, and kidnap you without even having to be there? Wow. You know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's, see, now that's the kind of stuff give me chill bumps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You talk about this is way beyond Big Brother. 
Yeah. Way beyond Big Brother. Because, you know, someone can, 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 can the, the screen on your car, can someone hack into that and, and see what's going on in your car? Right. You know, and that's highly possible. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. But I will say this, if you got autonomous cars, you should see the DWIs fall off. You should. You should. <laughs> At least you would, you would hope so. You would hope so. But, you know, there's an Uber everywhere now. And, and or a Lyft or, yeah, or whatever. Or any, yeah. Out there. Um, all those uh, services are out there for you and real inexpensive. I mean. I'll be using them pretty soon. When we get to uh, Reagan National going to CPAC, yeah. we'll, t- we'll take an Uber over to where we're going to be staying. I mean, at. you can take an Uber from one side of Pulaski County to the other for 30 bucks. I mean, there is no reason. And that is so much less expensive than a DWI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And it's a whole lot usually cheaper than uh, getting in a, a yellow cab or a blue cab oh, or yeah. a green cab. You know? Yeah. You know, you're it's just an app less. on your phone. Yep. That's all. Yeah, I got it on my phone. Yeah, I do. I too. need to get Lyft on. I, I've only got Uber. I need to get the other one, too, because they're fighting it out right now. Yeah. I love it when they're fighting out. Well, that's... uh. That's competition. Competition's good. And that's what we like work. This, I want to tell you what. Alan, Alan Kerr is he's a good conservative. He's been a good conservative for a long time. I try real hard. But that's one of the reasons why we work so hard to get other insurance companies involved in Arkansas. So that the more companies we have doing business here, the more competition we have, that keeps rates down. Keeps rates way down. So when you took over as commissioner, I, I got him about a minute. What was the biggest thing that you saw and you said, say what? Yeah. Did, you, biggest, have a, did you have a say what moment? Yes, sir, I did. And uh, there were lots of those. But one of the biggest ones was <laughs> how many of the name brand companies were leaving Arkansas. Okay. Companies you know, like Travelers Insurance and, I mean, big name companies were leaving the state. You know what? It's too hard to do business here. We're going to go someplace else. We've only got a population of 3 million people. It's a small state. Right. And to make it hard to do business here, there's not enough premium here to, to, to keep anyone if it's if it's difficult. We've turned that around 180%. That's good. I like that. Alan, don't be a you know, be don't be a stranger. I try not to be. Okay, now he will be up back on February 16th, but I will not be here. Mm-hmm. I will be taking the day off. February 16th? February 16th. Okay. That's the day after my birthday. All right. Because my grandson's the 17th, so we're having a big blowout that weekend. Well, there you go. So i got to be there for that. Okay. All right. Alan, thank you very much. Insurance yes, Commissioner for the State of Arkansas. Alan Kerr, Fox News, next. Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Stevens. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are a married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year. And we offer a no-risk consultation. So call us today and get the benefits you've earned. We have a proven track record and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at Jurist Law Group, J-U-R-I-S-T 
www.kimbrostevenlawgroup.com. Call us at 501-400-8250 or Google me, Kimbro Stevens, and we look forward to hearing from you. All right, so at 3.54, as I was finishing up my interview uh, with Alan Kerr and what's going on in the insurance uh, department, uh, Governor Asa Hutchinson called for the, quote, immediate resignation of State Senator Jake Files after the lawmaker pleaded guilty today to charges of uh, wire fraud, bank fraud, and money laundering. Quote, while I have known and respected the Files family for many years, it is essential that the voters are able to trust elected officials to have the public's interests free from criminal conduct. Given today's turn of events, it is clear Senator Files will not be able to fulfill his obligations to his constituents. And uh, with that in mind, I'm un- I wonder when they'll have the special election for that state Senate seat. I mean, that would make three state Senate seats, if I'm not mistaken. There was the one with Eddie Joe, uh, is, it, is it Standridge that was over in Russellville that passed away? They're having his, and now they're going to have to take this one uh, going on in, in Fort Smith. So I uh, wanted to give you all that information. Join us today. By the way, Conduit uh, for Action always is with us on Monday at 4 o'clock. Today, uh, Joe and and uh, Brenda couldn't be here, so uh, Josh is going to join us today, uh, Conduit for Action. Josh, your thoughts about this whole thing with State Senator Jake Files pleading guilty in federal court to charges of uh, wire fraud, bank fraud, money laundering, $5,000 bond he put up uh, on his own. And uh, that pins he's out on bond pending sentencing. He admitted admitted he falsified bids for waterline work for the complex that was awarded to an employee. This is the River Valley Sports Complex uh, on the Fort Smith property. The employee said she turned over to Files the uh, gift money, that's general improvement fund money that Files obtained for the project. And that he used that money instead to pay workers of his construction company and give employee bonuses. Uh, he pocketed the remaining uh, cash. Your thoughts on uh, th- this turn of events today? Well, I guess my first thought is I feel sorry for the people of Fort Smith because they have been disenfranchised, Dave. This um, call for resignation, I, that was the first I'd heard that Governor Hutchison had called for the resignation. Just happened. And yeah. And I texted someone about 20, 30 minutes ago. I said, wouldn't it be crazy if Governor Hutchison gets out in front of this and says, oh, he should resign now, you know, and try to get the, oh, yeah, you know, this guy's pleading guilty to wire fraud and money laundering. And he waited until after he pleaded guilty to do this. Conduit called for the resignation of Senator Files last summer. Um, And the statement from the state GOP chairman, Doral Webb, at that time, was that Senator Files, quote, Senator Files is like any other citizen in the United States. He's presumed innocent until proven guilty. Well, you know, it's sad that we had to wait to get a, a call for resignation until he was proven guilty. This sworn affidavit days that was put out by the FBI yes. saying that Senator Files committed wire fraud and money laundering came out months ago. And I really feel sorry for the people of Fort Smith because you're talking about a special election, but it's not going to come in time for a fiscal session. 
So they're going to be disenfranchised. They waited. Conduit said they're probably going to try to do this, that they would wait until it was too late to get a special election and a new person in there for the fiscal session or moving forward the rest of the year if there are any special sessions. So honestly, my my first impression was I feel sorry for the people of Fort Smith because they've been disenfranchised and they don't have the representation they deserve in the state Senate. Well, you know, the thing that and that amazed me about this is that the state Senate has known that this has been going on with files for some time now. And, yeah. uh, you know, Jonathan Dismang being the head of the Senate, he never at any time that I know of, I mean, it may have been done way, way, way behind closed doors, but uh, there should have been some something coming from him about files stepping down because of all of this that was going on. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was from him. I, I was just looking. I couldn't find it. But there was a decision made within the leadership in the Senate that the decision was basically if someone, you know, was indicted, I think was the, the language at the time, um, if I remember correctly, if they were indicted, that they would lose their chairmanship. Because Senator Files is, you know, in my opinion, chaired the, you know, the most important uh, committee in our in our state government, the Revenue and Tax Committee, where all the tax cuts or tax raise bills goes through. He was the lead sponsor of Senate Bill 140, the Internet Sales Tax Bill. Um, so we'll see what happens now. Um, I, I assume there'll probably be a lot of people jump on the bandwagon um, six months too late to call for the resignation of Senator Files. Um, so I guess we'll see what goes forward, but it's just really sad to see that, that this is happening Again, because when you look back at Senator John Woods, who's uh, been indicted for, for basically similar actions through the GIS fund. Yeah, well, you know, I, I understand what Doyle Webb said. I, you know, I can respect that. Uh, you know, you gotta, you got to let, uh, you know, the legal wheels turn and you can't ask, you can't remove somebody from office on your, you know, you're being, uh, they say you did something. It's got to be that you did do something. So I can understand if you haven't been found guilty of something that, you know, somebody might want to hang in there and do the thing. We see him doing it nationally all the time as well. I mean, who was the guy that was down in Louisiana, the congressman that they found thousands of dollars in his freezer frozen in blocks? You know what I'm saying? And nothing happened yeah. to him until he finally went to court. I mean, they, I guess they figure they're going to stay in there as long as they can and draw a paycheck. That's all I can figure. You know they don't have any character, so it's not like they, they're, they're really caring about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, you know, it's one thing, you know, as an attorney, I understand the legal aspect of it, but as an elected official, I believe Senator Files betrayed the public trust. Oh, yeah. Ago, and it was time to resign because of that betrayal of public trust. Not necessarily, a, it shouldn't take a, a, in my opinion, it shouldn't take, uh, a guilty plea or an indictment for someone to, to leave office. We should be able to trust our elected representatives and not worry about, you know, their financial situation and, and what's going on on there as they're representing us. Well, so I, that's, that's my opinion. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Okay. That they should remove, but they got to remove themselves. I mean, we can't, right. you can't remove them until they've been proven guilty of what they've done. I mean, you're innocent until proven guilty. That doesn't mean, and this is where I went back to, but Dismang, there should have been all kinds of pressure being, mm -hmm. you know, put on him. There should have been, they should have been appearing on TV. They should have been talking to the press. There should have been all kinds of pressure being put 
uh, on uh, Jake Files because people knew, you know, this mm-hmm. wasn't just smoke. There was a fire here. We all knew that was the case. That's been that's been common knowledge. If you walked around uh, the Marble Marble Palace uh, for any length of time at all, there's a lot of things that have gone over there. I'm sure you've heard as well as I've heard. You know, you got wood. You got. I'm, I can't think of the the uh, state representative now up there in Northwest. Mike uh, O'Neill. Yeah, you know, Mike O'Neill. You've got mm-hmm. files uh, now, and I'm hearing that there's other shoes that are going to fall before all of this is over, and it all seems to be going around general improvement funds. Yeah, yeah, I, I think um, I had heard, Dave, back, um, I guess it was December, because originally, or just before December, Senator Wood's trial was supposed to be in December 4th, and that there would be more dominoes falling um, uh, after that, took place well now that's been delayed till april um so maybe this is one one other domino before the rest fall but you know like you said people have been whispering you know people have been talking about this for for years now relating back to gif abuse so um i don't know if this is the next domino to fall or what else is to come but um it's 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 really sad that this is what's happening and as a republican it, it worries me that the republican brand is you know open for attack now from the Democrats? They oh, called yeah. for Senator Files' resignation about six months ago as well, and so that worries me as a as a Republican going forward. I don't want to be known as the party who supports and um, you know gives a, a a platform for for this type of action to continue. Yeah, I don't I don't deny that either. I mean, there's there's one that's out there that still got me puzzled. I scratch my head on it. This whole uh, the Mazio deal that went down, uh, yeah. Judge Mazio, and that he accepted a bribe. Here's my question: He's in prison. What about the people who offered the bribe? Isn't isn't a recourse mm-hmm. to go after them as well? I that's the one, this is that's the strangest thing that I've ever heard of that you put somebody in jail for taking a bribe, but nothing is happening to the people who offered the bribe. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people have been scratching their heads over that one. Um, you know, former elected officials and lobbyists involved there um, as well. And it's, you know, it really makes you wonder, is it coming? Um, because they, they got him behind bars, you know, relatively quickly um, as they should have. So it's it's a real head scratcher. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't see how somebody can bribe somebody and nothing happens to them. You know what I'm saying? If you're the guy that's offering uh, the, the tens of thousands of dollars on a bribe that somebody's going to go to jail over. Surely there's something that should be happening to you as well. So I just would, I guess we're going to have to keep our eyes open about that one, uh, Joshua, and see what happens. Hey, when we come back, I want to talk to you about the, uh, ta- the tax task force uh, that's meeting. You were there when they got rid of this guy that they hired to pay, and we're going to pay really big money to, to mm-hmm. quote, help them out. And then the guy was using, you know, old numbers and all kinds of bizarre stuff and didn't know what the heck he was talking about. We're going to, we're going to talk about that when we come back. Our guest, uh, Joshua's with us from, uh, the, uh, conduit for action. Remember conduit for action, one word conduit for action.org or conduit for commerce.org. Go there and uh, pay attention. Don't forget about the Paul Harrell show that's on here at 96.5 FM, the answer.com. Uh, on a website or on the air at 96.5 FM, and know that that's brought to you by the good folks at Conduit. 
for action. Don't forget about Hortons. Hortons uh, Orthotics and Prosthetics are there to serve you, a family-owned business whose empathy for those who have been affected and need a prosthetic or an orthotic uh, and uh, work their best, work their magic, work their their empathy uh, in such a way that they help you, the person who is stuck in this process, to uh, reach your highest uh, mobility capability. Or if you're a woman, get your self-confidence back because you've had a mastectomy. Or if you're a, a person who's got to have an orthotic, that that orthotic gives you the mobility that you need to be able to get around. It all happens at 5220 West 12th Street here in Little Rock. That's their main campus. Their phone number, 501-663-2908. They have other satellite offices. If you call that number, 501-663-2908 and ask them where those satellite offices are, uh, where you're at, they'll give you the closest one to your location. That's Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics right here in Little Rock. All right, let's continue on talking uh, with Josh, Conduit for Action. Uh, Josh, your thoughts about, and I don't know, maybe you didn't see the story, but the, the big story in the paper today, just below the fold of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette on the A section, governor helping two Senate runs, but no funds for third candidate backing Hutchinson's foe, Jan Morgan. Well, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I did see that. Um, uh, you know, this was kind of a, a flashback to 2016 in some ways. You know, the, the candidates who came out in favor of um, the Obamacare Medicaid expansion program have received money from the ASA PAC. And uh, Mr. Bob Bailey, who has come out in opposition to the Obamacare Medicaid expansion program, uh, did not receive money. Um, and uh, so I thought that was interesting. Now, you know, Bob Bailey has openly endorsed Governor Hutchinson's opponent, Jane Morgan. And so I think I'd, I'd read the article and that was seemed to be more what they're pointing to. But, you know, I, I thought it was interesting, Dave, that that it said, I think it was Tuesday of last week, the donations were made. And Tuesday of last week is when Conduit News Radio with Paul Harrell broke down a fundraiser invitation for um, Brianne Davis, who's running um, in that seat, and looked up, okay, who are all these people who are named on this fundraiser? And when you looked it up, it was a lot of almost all lobbyists um, in specific industries, medical marijuana, alcohol, tobacco, you know, the medical industry, Medicaid contracts. Um, and so that happened on Tuesday. And then, you know, this contribution came out allegedly on Tuesday. I guess we'll see it on the next filing report. Um, so I thought that was interesting, but I, I wasn't surprised. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm looking here uh, at Davis and uh, he says, I'm, they said, I'm appreciative of the governor's support, the momentum it shows for my, our campaign. I look forward to working with him, blah, blah, blah. Through December 31st, she reported raising $28,325 and spending $11,567.17. Her con- uh, contributors include uh, 2450 from the Arkansas Healthcare Association's Senate PAC, $2,000 from DBH Management Consultants 3-PAC, uh, $1,000 from DBH Management Consultants PAC, and uh, $500 from DBH lobbyist Michael Lamoureux of Russellville. Of course, he's the former Republican state senator and uh, 
Asa Hutchinson's former chief of staff, and then $250 apiece from Senate Republican leader Jim Hendren, Senate Republican Whip Bart Hester of Cave Springs, and, uh, of course, Hutchinson is Hendren's uncle. Uh, do, do you Are you familiar with any of these other this DBH management consultants or DBH management con- consultants yeah. pack and stuff? That's Bruce Hawkins' organizations. Well, he's a lobbyist. He's a... Uh, if I remember correctly, he's the, the same guy who gave $80,000 loan to Senator Jake Files um, a couple years ago. Well, that's probably money he'll never see again. Yeah, that's not a good investment. <laughs> well, it wasn't a good investment, was it? Wow. No. <laughs> Woo. For the people who just tuned in, Jake Files today pled guilty to wire fraud and a whole lot of other things. Uh, he put down a $5,000 signature uh, bond uh, until his sentencing and uh, the governor has called uh, for his resignation uh, immediately. So that's all out there. But, you know, can they can they have a, a some kind of election? Uh, well, they're not going to be able to have an election before uh, the special session now. So you're you're right. The people of uh, Fort Smith are basically disenfranchised. Or can the governor? Uh, put somebody in there for the interim until they can get some kind of a a person in there. Is it, is, or does a seat just go uh, unfilled? I'd have to, to give you a definitive answer. I, I need to go and refer back to the law. I remember looking that up back when um, Eddie Joe Williams' seat came open and um, uh, Senator Sandridge passed away. Um, so, But my recollection was based on and this is kind of what we saw coming was they're going to push it so far off that, you know, Senator Files' term is up this time next year. So if they call for a special election, have it say sometime this summer, it would only be about six months. So I imagine what they'll do is just leave that seat empty, um, especially because um, Rep- State Representative Matt Pitch has already announced that he's going to be running for that seat. Um, so I, I don't expect there to be any special election to fill that seat. Uh, before, um, you know, before this time next year, who, whoever the new senator will be elected in November. Okay, so you would figure that they'll just hold off until November 2018? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I kind of feel the same way. I don't, I can't see anybody wanting to spend a whole lot of money to run right. as a Republican uh, to get elected and then have to turn around and defend himself uh, for re-election in November. I mean, that would be uh, spending a whole lot of money for nothing. Yeah. Uh, Dave, I just got an alert on my phone here. It says that uh, the Senator Jake Files will resign in the coming days. That was from 4029 News Alert. I just got on my phone. Coming days. So. It's go- It takes him more than just right now for him to say, hey, <laughs> you know, it's done. I'm finished. I'm through. I, I, coming days. I mean, who does he think he is? Al Franken? Yeah. Yeah. I remember, you know, everyone thought Al Franken was resigned before Al Franken actually resigned. So, um, I don't know, you know, that that's going to be interesting. And and Dave, this kind of gets to uh, another point. I don't know if we have time now, but this is going to make the vote to reauthorize, um, the Medicaid expansion program coming up in the fiscal session, even dicier. All right. We can talk about that when we come back. How would you, would you like to do that? Yeah. Okay. Good. We would do it. We got to get to Fox news. That's coming up towards the bottom of the uh, 
the hour here. Don't forget about Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. The phone number, 982-7451. That's 982-7451. I've told you they replaced a transmission in my 2009 Corolla. They've got the people. They've got the mechanics to do it for you. They'll save you a lot of money by using a transmission or whatever part it is from a well-maintained total loss vehicles. That's uh, Sonny's Auto Salvage, phone number 982-7451. All right, back with you. Josh is here from Conduit for Action. Don't forget about their website, conduitforaction.org, conduitforcommerce.org. should check those out. Make sure that uh, uh, what they've got up there, they've got new material on a regular basis. And also don't forget every morning, Monday through Friday, 6A to uh, 8A, you can hear Paul Harrell's show uh, brought to you by Conduit for Action right here at 96.5 FM. So uh, tune in and listen in and see what Paul has for you daily. So, Josh, you wanted to jump on here and uh, pick up a new topic. Go ahead. Well, uh, you know, as we're talking about Senator Jake Files, um, I got to thinking that, you know, the upcoming fiscal session in Arkansas, you have to have a three-fourths majority vote in both houses, the Senate and the in the House, um, to 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 spend money, appropriate money. So to, that's the the right term is appropriate. Um, and so, going two weeks ago, Senator Jim Hendren, uh, the majority leader, said that they were a voter quote a vote or two short um, end quote. Um, he said that to Steve Bronner at Talk Business and Politics, and so. Uh, you know, my thought is, you know, without Senator Files there, they're probably now two or three votes short after this. Um, and so I, I think that's something that's going to be probably watched a little more closely now than was anticipated um, this time yesterday. All right. So we look at, you know, you, you lost a vote there in uh, uh, Fort Smith. However, when I, I look at the people who are running, uh, for Eddie Joe's, uh, position, Ricky Hill. And I'm trying to think the other gentleman's name, I believe is Coy, uh, yeah. Rick, Ricky Hill. Coy. Yeah. Coy is pouring a lot of money, uh, into his campaign. In fact, we're running ads for him now. Ricky Hill is, pardon me. Ricky Hill is, is running a lot of money, uh, right now because he's got billboards up a, around Lono County. I've seen them, uh, I've got probably four or five push cards uh, or mailers uh, in my mailbox over the last uh, four or five weeks, and he's running ads here on 96.5 FM now. So he's really making a dedicated push uh, for the elections coming up on February 13th. Uh, you go to Russellville, and but I, I hear if he gets in that, uh, that he will support uh, – the uh, Arkansas works program. And I've heard that the, the people that are work that are basically running out in Russellville, uh, will support, uh, the Arkansas works. When I, when I sit down and do the math, sounds like to me, the governor has his basis uh, covered your thoughts on that. Well, um, I would say out of the Senate district 29 race with Mr. Hill, and Mr. Coy, whoever wins that will probably be a yes vote. Mm -hmm. uh, but then when you look at Senate district 16 with, um, Bob Bailey, Brianne Davis and Luke Hefley, now Luke Hefley and Brianne Davis has come out, have come out and say, 
to say that they would would vote for the the funding again. But Bob Bailey has said he would not, that he is opposed to to the program. And so if he wins, that would be a no vote. If one of the other two wins, that would be a yes vote. But the fiscal session will be over before then because in both of those races, there are Democrat opponents. So the final election will not be until the general election will not be until May 22nd. Right. Um, So someone will not be seated till the end of May. Now, I have heard that they could come back and have a special session to vote just on on the Medicaid expansion if they can't get the vote. Um, But what they could also do during the session and what uh, Senator Dismang has has gone on record previously um, to say is that they would separate out. the vote for just the DHS budget or just the Medicaid expansion portion and then the DHS budget. Yeah. I, I, I won't tell you who I talked to, but I talked to somebody who has been, uh, you know, pretty much adamantly against Arkansas works. And they said that they, you know, there was probably enough votes to hold up the governor's budget, but the people that we're talking about that then started discussing, but the people that would get in and would be there when a special session would call, would be called would be enough, which they believe to, to, to keep Arkansas works going. And, you know, does it make sense to hold the budget hostage knowing that it'd get passed and cost the taxpayers you know, like fifty or sixty thousand dollars to have a special session, and, uh, mm-hmm. and talked about that. And I could see where they would be a, a little bit concerned about doing that. Uh, how about you? Yeah, well, I think there's a you know a solution to avoid all of that, and that's uh, I'll just quote Senator Dismang. He said on September sixteenth, twenty thirteen, "quote I have no interest in turning the DHS budget into an all or nothing political game." If the DHS appropriation cannot attain the needed votes with the private option included, now called Arkansas Works, then it will be pulled, amended, and voted separately. That was to to talkbusiness.net in September of 2013. Um, So if if they can't get it through, I think that's probably where they should go instead of, you know, because what you're going to hear, it's pain point politics days. They're going to say, well, if we can't pass it all, then we can't pass anything, and, you know, we're going to throw granny out of the nursing home. Kids in rural areas are going to be devastated. They're not going to get the funding they need um, through DHS because there's a lot of essential services that DHS overall does provide. But just this Medicaid expansion part, which is for primarily able-bodied working age adults, you know, they could take that out, separate it, vote on it separately, um, which, you know, was back several years ago, I think a lot of people thought was going to be the plan. So I think that's probably the plan to avoid all the, you know, what ifs, if they don't have the votes, that kind of a thing. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do, Josh. We got to get a break in here. Uh, while we're in break, I will text Senator Dismang and ask if he doesn't have, uh, the votes for the governor's, uh, budget. Uh, and there's people want to hold up, you know, uh, the whole thing dealing with, the uh, Arkansas works. Would he, you know, pass the the budget without Arkansas Works uh, involved uh, to take that on in a special session. How about if I yep. try to let me try to do that? Let me see what we, I'm not guaranteed we'll get an answer, but I'll I'll put the question out to him. How's that? Yeah, that'll be good. All I right, that'd, that'd be good to know. Let's take a break and then we'll come back. Our, my guest is Josh from uh, Conduit for Action here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 
I will text uh, Senator Dismang. Don't I don't bet that uh, or guarantee. I won't bet. I mean, I won't guarantee that we'll get an answer in a short period of time. But I'll ask him what he thinks. That's all coming up here on the next Dave Ellswick show. All right. So I did as I promised. I sent a uh, note, a text message to uh, Majority Leader of the State Senator Jonathan Dismang, uh, the pro tem, and asked him. Uh, when the fiscal, uh, the, the fiscal session comes up, uh, if there's a, g- a group that would vote in, uh, in governor's budget, wants to hold up Arkansas works funding, would you break Arkansas works off or want anything or nothing vote? And, uh, I haven't gotten an answer yet back from him, uh, Josh, but I have asked the question and we'll see what he has to, to say about that. There was another thing that I had written down that I didn't mention to you today that I I wanted to talk about. I saw a story about Josh Miller talking about a uh, Arkansas Works uh, Medicare freeze again. What do you know Mm -hmm. about this? Yeah, so um, uh, Representative Josh Miller and uh, Representative Dan Sullivan, I don't remember the day, it was one day last week, um, we're on Condit News Radio with Paul Harrell, and announced they would be introducing special language or, or, or resolution during the fiscal session to, to base, that would basically mirror the bill he ran during the last legislative session, right. which would freeze um, the, the program, meaning no new people can come on. Um, it would seek a waiver so that they could uh, put this freeze into place. Um, so uh, Conduit for Action supported that bill, um, as did you know a majority in the House that passed out of the House. Um, and it was uh, defeated in, in the, the Senate. And so Conant would support this, you know, resolution attempt again to freeze the program. Okay. Um, Can I so, ask a question, uh, Josh? Yeah. If it's a resolution and not, you know, a, a, a bill or make something into an act and to get the Senate to go along with it as well, does a resolution do anything? Or is it just basically a way of saying, yeah, we'd like to do this, but it doesn't necessarily force us to do this? Right. So um, under the Arkansas Constitution, you, in the fiscal session, you could only um, bring up appropriation bills unless there's a two-thirds uh, vote in both chambers to bring something up outside of the scope of an appropriation bill. So it would have to get the two-thirds um, uh, a vote to, to be able to come up and pass. So um, we'll see what, what they'll do. It got a majority in the House last time. Um, so, so we'll see if, if they can get that up to the two thirds majority vote, but, um, that, that would be what it could take. Um, I think there might be another way to add in some special language specifically to the appropriation item. Um, so that might be an alternative, um, way to, to do it as well. Um, so we'll just have to see if they try both or see if one fails or, or doesn't and and go from there. But uh, that's the two ways that they can uh, go, go about it. All right. Now you've been sitting in on a lot of this, uh, tax task force, uh, meetings that have been going on, uh, with Senator Hendren and, and, uh, the crew of that, uh, task force. There's been, a, there's been a lot of, of things that have happened. Bring us up to, with the latest. Okay. Well, the, the latest was they met, uh, beginning of this month and they, um, uh, talked about income taxes, corporate income taxes and um, individual income tax rates. And um, basically 
the end result, though, Dave, was that the tax consultant, and, and as I'm sure everyone's heard by now, was fired. Um, and just to, to explain it, when I was there that morning, they finished everything during the morning session, but they announced they would be coming back in the afternoon. Well, people were confused. Wait, why are they coming back? And so I was texting with the legislator and said, you know, you'll want to come back. It'll be short, but, you know, you, you'll, you'll want to be there. So we, when we came back, uh, Mr. Randy Bauer, who's the tax consultant, came out from behind the Joint Budget Committee area, and he met up with one of his associates from their consulting group, and they immediately got their stuff together and left the room before the, the afternoon session. And um, actually, Mr. Mike Wickline with the Arkansas Democrat Gazette approached him and um, was, I assume, was asking him for a quote or something. He hurriedly went out and said that, just send me an email. And so something seemed off at that point, and then uh, they came back, and the committee voted to terminate the contract of the tax consultant. And you alluded to it earlier, Dave. It was basically because, um, you know, month after month, there there's a lot of questions on the data that was used. How there's a lot of old data that was used. There's yes. Incorrect data that had to be corrected by I mean, other state agencies. They were using the wrong tax tables, in fact. But yeah. And I think that's correct. I think that that uh, was that day. And so I think that, I mean, if you're the tax consultant for a state and you can't even get the individual income tax brackets right in your presentation, I mean, that's, that's you know, some foreshadowing there. And, that's um, bad. But, I agree. But that's, yeah. a, this is, a, I don't know if you agree with me, but this was uh, a godsend for us. This guy was a Democrat for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he, he was all pushing tax increases, not tax reductions in any way, shape, or form. Everything that he was doing was, quote, to generate more revenue for the state. Yes. Yeah. And so that's exactly right. So I'm hopeful um, the the committee has said they're going to bring in other groups and um, to, to come in and then use BLR and uh, Department of Finance Administration internally. And so I think in the next coming months, um, I think fireworks was used. You know, where are all the fireworks? This has been really boring meetings, basically, just a lot of data and ways to raise revenue. So I think the fireworks will be coming on what exemptions to get rid of and, and how much, if, if they do want to cut income taxes, how much they're going to do it by and how they're going to pay for that. Are they going to cut spending somewhere? Um, so I, I think in the coming months, um, we'll see that. And then uh, next month's agenda had already been set. So February 5th, next Monday, they'll talk about miscellaneous um, revenue streams, and then in March they'll t- get more into specific policy and reform um, ideas, putting pen to paper, so to speak. Yeah, don't you think it'd be interesting if they say, "Well, we're going to close this exemption, that exemption," and uh, when you do that, all that happens is the companies that are having the exemptions taken away are going to charge uh, the, uh, the people who use their businesses more money to make up for the money they're going to lose and having those exemptions taken away. And then the government, the government says, so, well, we closed up all these exemptions. We're going to take that money now and give you a tax break. So they give you a tax break, which is in turn, let's say you, whatever you get back, you got to spend more money to buy your services. Sounds like to me, it's a vicious circle. Yeah. And so I think that's exactly right. So at the end of the day, to avoid all that is measurably reducing the size and scope of government. Absolutely. Cut, cutting taxes across the board because under the RSA, if they don't get the money, they can't spend it. So as long as that money keeps coming in, they're going to spend it. 
So that's that's the way to to ensure that government doesn't grow or shift or you know take on a new form or a new name in these funds. The way to do it is to cut the rates and reduce the size of government in Arkansas by the state getting less money. Yeah, the way they're doing it is, you know, and I hate this term, the whole revenue neutral way, which is nothing mm-hmm. more than the pea and the and the walnut shells. I mean, they're going to take they take money from business. The business turns around to get their money, charges you, and you got to pay more for those services, but you get a little bit back from the government, and maybe you break even, but you're right back to where you started from. It it it, it just doesn't make sense. And and you're right. If you really want to make it, uh, you know, a, a move that's going to ha- help the consumers and and uh, citizens of this state. Uh, you reduce government, make it cheaper to run, take that money and, and, and allow the, the uh, taxpayers to have it back. Yeah. And, you know, I'm excited to hear President Trump tomorrow night in the State of the Union address, you know, address the success that they've had with cutting individual income tax rates, cutting the corporate rates. And people are seeing that in their paychecks. I was talking with the guy the other night. Um, and, and he said his employee, one of his employees came to him and he's like, are you sure this is right? Because their check, you know, they're on a salary, <laughs> but it had gone up a little bit with the new, uh, tax rates that, that went into effect. And so, you know, the employees are seeing it, the employers are seeing it, um, which we've seen hundreds of companies give, uh, bonuses and, and, uh, increases in wages to their employees because of this tax cut. Yeah, uh, Josh, that, Josh. It's just crumbs. You know it as well as I do. It's uh, <laughs> it's just crumbs. That's uh, at least that's what Pelosi yeah. says. Yeah, her and Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Yeah, know, those are two really making... legitimate people, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know when they're when they're the voice of uh, for for the people and how much a thousand dollars affects the average person's life. Um, I think the Democrat Party um, is just really off base there, and they're not speaking to the people. I think that's why we. Uh, have President Donald Trump in the White House. And, you know, I just hope our, our state legislators, our governor and everyone looks at what uh, President Trump and our federal delegation did and, and follow suit here in the state on corporate income tax rates and individual income tax rates. I, I, I agree with you, and I appreciate you, Josh. Thanks for joining us today. You're filling in the gap as Brenda and Joe have both been out right now. And uh, thank you so much from Conduit from Action for Action. Uh, dot org conduit for action dot org don't forget about the paul harrow show tomorrow morning 6 a.m right here at 96.5 fm thanks so much josh we'll catch you down right. the down the, the road a little bit all right thanks dave thanks all right bye bye now all right so when we come back robert steinbach will join us got a couple of stories with him that i want to talk about this college professor who literally said that uh what was it he said? The California teacher who slammed military members as the lowest of the low in a classroom rant. That's coming your way. Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Stevens. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit, commonly referred to as aid and 
attendant. If you are a married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year. And we offer a no-risk consultation. So call us today and get the benefits you've earned. We have a proven track record, and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at Jurist Law Group, J-U-R-I-S-T, lawgroup.com. Call us at 501-400-8250 or Google me, Kimbrough Stevens, and we look forward to hearing from you. Final hour of a Monday show here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show, 96.5 FM, uh, The Answer, but not any drop in quality because Robert Steinbach joins us, who's a legal professor over at the Bowen School of Law with uh, University of Arkansas, Little Rock. And, of course, his opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the school or the university. And, Robert, how are you today? Uh, I'm well, my friend. Can I debate the point with you, however, that the quality of this show does drop when I'm on? Because I I think it might. No, it does not. It absolutely (laughs) doesn't. In fact, I have a large contingent of listeners who always, if you're not on, always ask where you're at. Well, I'm happy to hear it. They always, really? they always want to hear what you have to say. And they want to know, like, for instance, what does he have to say about stories like this? Think about the people that you know of, your freaking stupid Uncle Louie or whatever. They're, dumb. they're not like high-level thinkers. They're not academic people. They're not intellectual people. They're the freaking lowest of our low, not morally. You know, I'm not saying they, they make bad morals. It's just they're not talented people. How's that one? That was a California teacher saying that military members are the lowest of the low in a classroom rant. It's really remarkable, isn't it? Uh, That uh, it, it just reflects the following fact. When you hear the left tell you we're interested in diversity, they're not interested in intellectual diversity. And they are almost invariably talking about intellectual pursuits in academia. They say, we want diversity in academia. Uh, What does that mean? Well, we want different outfits. We want people to look different. We want different skin colors. What about different thought? No. Everybody better line up like the good communists that they are, because otherwise we'll send them off to a re-education camp. So this guy is just another one of the typical leftists that we see. Now, let me be clear, because we talk about more than any other thing on your show when we talk, we talk about uh, uh, freedom of speech, obviously related First Amendment. This guy's entitled to his views. However, and I intentionally choose the word offensive, they are. Uh, but I would like to have at least some sense that in academia, there are more than a handful of conservatives. You know, as the joke goes, uh, when people ask me, uh, what's it like uh, for the conservatives uh, over at your school? My joking answer is, well, I feel fine, meaning I'm the only one. Now, there are a few others. Don't get me wrong. But the point is true. I, I think there was a study that was put out recently that correctly pointed out something like 90 percent leftist, 90 percent liberal. We know that's not the case across America. 
right? And so often, how, do, how often do we hear, uh, Dave, the leftists say, well, such and such is this percentage of the population, therefore it should be this percentage of academia, mm-hmm. of this particular job. Yes. And you and I correctly say, well, it doesn't need to line up one-to-one because people make rational choices. But when you see 90-10 from the liberals who claim that everything else needs to line up and they have all sorts of excuses for why it doesn't line up uh, in academia regarding conservative versus liberal, uh, I can tell you the reality. The reality is that liberals routinely eschew, try to get rid of, or try not to hire conservatives in academia. That's the bottom line. And, And the result is that you get rants like this guy on the left, but you don't get the rants on the right. Because there aren't any people on the right to be making the rain. Yeah, there there are no rightists anymore. They're exactly. they're gone. And and exactly. if the U of A has anything to do with it, they'll make sure they do their own pogroms over there at U of A. Oh, oh, that's a you know, Dave, you bring up exactly the right word. It's a pogrom, right? This is when people are, who are not like minded were rounded up by the communists. And uh, these changes that are uh, underfoot, meaning not yet passed, but under consideration by um, uh, by or being proposed, I should say, to the board of trustees, uh, if passed, will result in a pogrom. Will result in the the uh, the elimination uh, of uh, any free thought, really. Uh, across the university. And we've seen it across other universities in other states as well. Uh, Meaning when on a rare occasion, a school has adopted a policy like this, it has resulted in horrible outcomes, absolutely horrible outcomes. And we saw this in, uh, in Wisconsin, where they adopted these programs, by the way, conservatives adopted because they weren't thinking it all the way through. And they adopted some of these programs that would stifle free speech on campus by, amongst others, that professors. And what happened? The conservatives' free speech was stifled. Mm-hmm. The conservatives in, in the legislature are left scratching their heads. Hey, guys, here's the problem. The, the administrators running the show were liberals. Who do you think they're going to try yeah. to push out? First people they're coming after is you. That's right. That's, That's right. where they're coming. You know, and, and yeah. speaking of this, you sent me a story today, and I think we need to go right to it. A student, a, a student group at Oklahoma State University. Now, look, folks, this is not happening in blue states. This, we just talked about U of A. That's a red state that we're in right now. Oklahoma is a red state. A student group at Oklahoma State University is issuing a, less, a list of demands including a bias response team capable of punishing racially insensitive language to enhance race relations. The 4%, a group of students that is pushing to change the culture at uh, OSU, tweeted a list of demands Thursday urging school officials to do more in response to racist incidents on campus. And uh, one of the things they said in this, I I started laughing when I read it, was uh, what was it that they said here? They were toward the end of the document. That's not it. Uh, They said that they weren't looking to get rid of freedom of speech, but what they wanted to do is that something had to be done uh, to change, I guess, the, the discussion, so to speak, which is getting rid of freedom of speech. 
Exactly. This is the problem with the left. First of all, they can't even come up with language to justify their anti-free speech uh, attacks. Every time they try to do so, they demonstrate that freedom of, of speech is at risk. Example, hate speech. They use the word speech. Here they say, we don't want to attack freedom of speech. We want to redirect the what? The discussion. The discussion is speech. By the way, what is this bias response team? Could you imagine at 2 o'clock in the morning, you look out your window, and there's red and blue lights flashing, and somebody's banging on the door. Hello? Hello? What are you thinking right now? What are you thinking? (laughs) We don't like what you're thinking. It's 1984, the novel, all over again. Yeah, here here it is, Robert. I got it now. In a statement to Campus Reform, by the way, if you don't check Campus Reform out, I think it's just campusreform.com. It may be campusreform.org. I'm not sure. Uh, you need to read because they keep up with all of this stuff. And it's, oh, it, it's going on like crazy all over the United States. A spokesperson for the 4% said that while the group, and I'm going to quote now, doesn't want to take away students' right to freedom of speech and expression, it does want to rethink how these things can and should be used most effectively in regard to higher education. Listen to what they're saying. They oh want gosh. to tell you. They want to be able to tell everybody what you can do whenever you write your papers, whenever you speak in a classroom, whatever you do. They want to be able to control that. And, folks, that's controlling free speech, period. Exactly. Remember, and this is not hyperbole. This is fact. After the Americans pulled out of Vietnam, the the North Vietnamese, of course, took over. The communists took over. And what did they do with many in the South and even some in the North? Quote, re-education camps. Yep. You're, you're ill. You're not thinking right. And why, by the way, you're not thinking right? Because you're not thinking like a leftist communist. You don't seem to understand we're all in it together. But as the old novel by the same author of 1984, uh, Animal Farm, says, uh, which is a play on communism, uh, all the animals in the farm are equal, just some are a little more equal. Yeah. And Right? And that's what this is about. Uh, all thoughts are fair just as long as they're our thoughts. All people are equal uh, just as long as those that are in power are a little more equal. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it's- this is really very, very upsetting, and I'd like to know how many members are there of the 4%. I mean, are they 4% of the 1% that are right. worried about this kind of stuff? I mean, look, it, it, it's probably a very small core of people, but since they put this out, they've got the administration on the defensive. Can I tell you this? There, there's no doubt in my mind, and I think this is an under-discussed uh, item in politics. There's no doubt in my mind that one of the several reasons that President Trump won uh, soundly and appropriately was because he said, look, I'm tired and my voters are tired of, A, being told that they're racists simply because they come from the suburbs or because they happen to be from this group or that group or not from this group or not from that group or conservative, for example. Uh, And we're also tired of not being able to say what we think. Moreover, by the way, we think the things we think are legitimate. 
But put that aside just for a moment for the sake of argument. Let's say we're wrong. We're still allowed to think those things. We're still allowed to say those things. And that is an important reason that the president won, because he came out and said, enough with the political correctness, which is a description of the left telling people in the middle and on the right, you shall think the way I tell you to think, you shall act the way I tell you to think. And they have for years used this sledgehammer of if you step out of line, what are we going to do, Dave? You remember it. We're going to call you an ist, a racist, a sexist, a misogynist, a phobe, a homophobe, a thisophobe, a thataphobe. They will attack you. They will attack your person, and they will say that you're an evil person, and it's two steps away from calling you a Ku Klux Klan member or a Nazi. That's what the left had been doing, and Donald Trump said, stop calling us names, stop telling us that what we're thinking is inherently bad simply because we disagree with you. And let me just put a caveat, that doesn't mean that there is no such thing as a racist, they still do exist, and they're bad people, and they should be called out for it. But the notion that because there are some racists in the world, and in this country, there are, that A, we're a racist country, we're not, or that the left can go around calling us names and trying to shut us up uh, by falsely accusing us of really bad things is a joke, and the president was the one that finally was able to turn the tide on that awful approach to discourse that had been propagated for years upon years by the left. You know, I, I find in this article, it's just ridiculous. The 4% submitted an op-ed to the OSU student newspaper explaining its motivations and future goals while accusing the university of being a, quote, racist institution. There's there, the there it, it is. There's the is yeah, thing. You can't even make this stuff up. You're like, you can't even. I start to give a narrative about what the left does, and sure enough, the story that you're reading follows it point by point because this is the left's playbook. I don't mean to cut you off, Dave, but it's just remarkable how these the leftists follow the same script over and over. Well, it works. Sorry, go ahead. It, they, yeah. they follow it because it works. Quote, Indeed. for the second time within a one-year span, a student. Okay, this is one person. How many kids mm-hmm. go to OSU, I'd like to know, of our Ten beloved university of Jake Pulliam, sent out an insensitive post on Snapchat. Uh, The group wrote, further arguing that the African-American community, quote, has been the target of racist activity. One person. One person. You know, and it's exactly what I was saying a moment ago, which is it's that that transformation from the notion that, of course, there are bad people in the world and bad people in this country, but we are not a bad country. There are racists in this country. This is not a racist country. If you believe it is, we have a fundamental disagreement about what we are, who we are, and how we move forward. All right. Now, I'm going to listen to this. You talk about you talk about, uh, you know, they send you to the schools, a mandatory, um, yeah, a mandatory diversity training program. This is what they were asking for. 
a mandatory diversity training program, a bias response team. But those were were not the only demands. Alongside the desired uh, policy changes, the activists also campaigned for a, quote, minority history and diversity library and a lounge for students. We submit the creation of more faculty, staff, and administration positions aimed at enhancing race relations on campus, as well as selecting candidates with diverse backgrounds, diversity training, and or uh, experience working with multicultural groups to fill these positions. We also submit the active hire of more faculty and staff of of color. And toward the end of the document, the group suggests that the school rename uh, buildings to honor prominent social justice activists of color, as well as hold a monthly meeting to discuss this document and construct plans to enhance the cultural atmosphere at Oklahoma State University. This is the biggest bunch of idiocy I've ever heard. And what's, listen to it, for, Dave, right? As you aptly described, they want diversity of color, but you've heard not one word, not one word about diversity of thought. Yeah. yeah. Not a word. I agree. I agree. Isn't that telling? I got to get a break. Got to get a break in. We'll come back. Robert Steinbach is our guest here on the Dave Ellswick show. He's with us to six o'clock. We've got more stories for you. This doesn't get better. It gets worse before the show is over today. Hang around. Uh, It's it's amazing what's going on. And guess what? Taxpayers and and parents sending their kids to this university and other universities put up with this crap. Don't give them your money. They'll stop letting don't, this don't happen. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely right. Don't forget about special pensions for wartime veterans. This aid and attendance program. And uh, my good friend, uh, Kimbrough Stevens, who's the uh, managing attorney for the Juris Law Group, wants you to know he has a no-risk consultation to help you if you're a wartime vet. You've got the military service rules met. You've got the qualifying war periods. You qualify medically. He can help you if you're a veteran and you've got a spouse. You perhaps can get $25,000 a year. Now, it goes down from there with some other folks, but even if you're a single veteran, a veteran with a sick spouse, or just a surviving spouse, you can uh, have some money to help you with things like in-home care, independent living, assistant living, nursing home care. Call Kimbrough Stevens and talk to him about this, 501-400-8250, or go to his uh, website, Juris, J-U-R, I-S-T, com. All right, uh, Robert, we got to go to a break uh, for the news sure. in a moment, but let me give you a story that just is broke. Uh, the House Intelligence Committee uh, just has voted to make public the GOP-crafted memo alleging that some Republicans say are shocking surveillance abuses at the DOJ. The move ends weeks of speculation over whether the memo, which was drafted by staff, uh, for Chairman David uh, Devin Nunes would be made public, but it intensifies the dispute over what Democrats say is an all-out assault by Republicans to undermine special counsel Robert Mueller's probe into Russian interference in the 2016 election. This from the Hill. The document will not be immediately released. House rules uh, for Republicans used to override the classification now of the four-page memo 
President Trump now has five days to review and reject its publication, but the White House has signaled support for the document's release and is widely expected to, to defy the DOJ in allowing the publication to go forward. The DOJ has opposed the release of the document, reportedly infuriating President Trump. Some Republicans who have read the memo have hinted heavily that it contains information that could unravel the entire Mueller investigation long described by the president as a witch hunt. So uh, when we come back, let's talk about this, Robert. You probably can bring that right up on your computer and uh, uh, yeah, and take and take a look at it because this is a huge story now that is un, uh, unfolding in Washington, D.C., and uh, only time now will tell us if all this information in this memo is as damning as people has been talking. I mean, I'm Westerman on my show two weeks ago said, uh, it blew him away when he read it. So, wow. uh, we'll wow. come back and talk about it, Robert, when we get back right now, let's go to Fox news. All right. So back with Robert Steinbach and Robert, this is like all political stories that start something happens. Then people start abandoning ship and then something else happened and then more people start jumping off and people then finally take notice that it's a bigger story than anybody thought. That's right. Look, McCabe just left today. He's the assistant director of the FBI. The New York times changed their headline today on their story, uh, to showing that there was an, there is now an inspector general's report that we haven't seen yet that Mm -hmm. questioned what McCabe and Rothenstein uh, Rothenstein and all the rest of them were doing. And that evidently the information that is in that report would have asked for McCabe to be demoted. Uh, and uh, which is a huge thing. That's a, that doesn't happen easy. All right. If you're the assistant, they don't get, they don't demote you easily. So what happened there? And there's been uh, a couple other people who have left high ranking government uh, positions within the FBI now over the last uh, month and a half. Now this memo has been okayed by uh, the house Intel committee to release it. It goes to the president. He has to look at it. He's got to make up his mind if he wants to, uh, to allow it. Uh, Lindsey Graham says, well, I don't know if I want to let this out yet. You know, with the material that's in it, you got other, uh, you know, congressmen like, Bruce Westerman, who says, I hope they release it here pretty doggone quickly. You know, it's damning. I mean, I'm now I'm really wanting to see the memo and we got to see what happens after the memo is released. What really is in this memo? Well, that's right. You know, we don't know what's in the memo. uh, And so it's hard to give a definitive uh, position on I want it to release or I don't want it to release, for example, because I don't want to release, obviously, methods, uh, identities of uh, spies, essentially. But I don't know that that's in there. And as you know, Dave, I'm the transparency guy, right? I'm the Freedom of Information Act guy. I believe that more transparency is better. Just to be clear. That doesn't mean that there's no such thing as top secret material. We know there is. That's the that's the stuff that Hillary Clinton keeps in her basement. So uh, there, the, the fact is that when in doubt, 
I want public disclosure. And I certainly want public disclosure of this memo based on what a number of people who are smart-thinking people have said about this memo. I can't 100% say until I see it, obviously, but it's not as if this is just a small cabal of crackpots saying, release this memo. These are smart government uh, elected people who are saying, release this memo. And remember, and now the Dems are crying, right? Remember, the Dems were all in support, correctly again, historically, of the Church Commission, right? You remember the Church Commission that was uncovering corruption in the CIA? Did it mean all of the CIA was bad? No! But when a government body is not checked, guess what happens? Something goes wrong. That's why we have a system created by our founders of checks and balances. And so the notion that we should have checks and balances on every agency, and included in every, is the FBI along with all the others. And what we have seen already is some really hinky behavior by some extremely high-up FBI agents. And I find it ironic when the Dems say, well, they're entitled to their views. I agree. You see, we're on the same page. They don't have to like the president. They don't have to vote for the president. Here's what they can't do, though. On official records, have exchanges where they describe, in essence, a conspiracy to make sure that Trump doesn't get elected and Hillary has coverage for her illegal behavior. That's not expressing your viewpoint. That's using the levers of government for your own personal um, political agenda. That is not freedom of thought or expression. That is the opposite. That is corruption and cronyism. Robert, what's to stop them, if they can do this, from uh, going out and plotting for life against the president? That's right. Exactly. You know, what, what, what is to stop them from the Manchurian candidate and all of these conspiracy movies that are two steps away from reality? Not one step away. I'm not saying it's right around the corner, but with enough power in hidden hands within the government bureaucracy, look out. That's how you wind up with a totalitarian state. Yep. So that's why we need checks and balances. And the best way for check having a check and balance on any entity, or checks and balances, I should say, on any entity, is sunshine, is transparency. I've been making that argument ever since I've gotten on your show, David, and before, but nobody heard me before. So ever since I've been on your show, what have I said? transparency. Mm-hmm. Look at all the stuff that's going on in Arkansas with this gift fund. I know that the F stands for fund, but this sort of funding of these quasi-private entities by legislators, and they're starting to fall by dominoes, as dominoes rather, or like dominoes, uh, when light is being uh, shined upon them. Yeah. We need to keep the light on governmental behavior. Just so you'll know, uh, the word that I get from people is that there are more shoes to fall here uh, in uh, in Arkansas about gift. I'm sure. About gift. I mean, you know, you and I have talked about this before. When you give politicians money to just hand out, you're, acting, you're asking for graft and corruption. That's right. That's exactly right. I mean, that's it, just it was stupid. A bad idea. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, if I were a legislator, you know, you, you know what I would say? I would say, uh, I don't want to be involved in that. I don't want to have to be handing out these kind of quasi-private donations of public money. That's not what the government should be doing in the first place. And I wouldn't want that to be a program. It shouldn't be a program. Government shouldn't be taking money out of your pocket and putting it in someone else's pocket. Redistribution of wealth is what leftists want to do. Conservatives recognize there is a limited role for government. It's safety net. It's um, large infrastructure where it's hard for the private sector to coordinate that expenditure. That t- and, of course, national defense and policing at the local level. But once they start... Uh, uh, sort of saying, well, we're going to take your money and we're going to decide what, what's a, a good thing to do with that money. Look out. Corruption and cronyism is right around the corner. Well, I'm going to tell you what, this whole thing about this memo and, you know, evidently Comey's name comes up in it. That's one of the names that has been bantied about. And and we've seen some of this stuff about, about Comey now coming to light. Uh, Rothenstein up in DOJ uh, you know, I, this was what worries me. We're talking some of the biggest, uh, you know, policing organizations in our country, the FBI, the department of justice. There's also been some, uh, you know, uh, smoke about, uh, the CIA. This, 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 I know that a lot, this is a big word, a small word with big meaning, but coup comes to mind here when you're trying to throw an election. That's exactly right, Dave. Uh, let's be clear. You, the, the Republicans, the Trump campaign, to, to give them credit where credit is due, they brought out this notion of the deep state. Of course, now the leftists are saying, oh, you're just a bunch of conspiracy theorists, which yeah. is ironic mm-hmm. because those conspiracy theories often came from the left. This is not a conspiracy theory. It's not that we we on the right believe that there's this mass conspiracy out there. It's a much more simple concept, a concept, by the way, that is founded in principles going back to the late 1800s and early 1900s with people like Max Weber, a well-known sociologist. And that is that bureaucrats have their own agenda. Everybody has their own agenda, by the way. But when you institutionalize a group of people that's not elected, then they are responsive and responsible to different people and different causes. And so when that bureaucracy grows real large, guess what? It acts as an entity in and of itself. And the the goal of any organization, of any entity, is to survive, is to exist, and is to propagate. That's bacteria, that's virus, that's humankind, you name it. Any group or entity, their goal is to survive. And bureaucracies want to survive. And bureaucracies survive when the, the system of government simply moves on like a slow-moving train. But when someone comes in and seeks to upset things, then bureaucracy fears that, correctly, by the way. So was Hillary more of the same? Absolutely. Was Obama more of the same? Absolutely. And here it is to show you that I am nonpartisan or bipartisan or whatever the right phrase is. Was George W. Bush 
more of the same. Yes. Yes. Now, he was more of the same leaning right. Obama was more of the same leaning left. Hillary was more of the same uh, leaning towards cronyism and corruption and lining her pockets. But it was all more of the same. And Trump campaigned on an agenda that was not more of the same. And so far, a fair amount of what he is doing is not more of the same, by the way. But time will tell. Time will tell. I have not drawn an ultimate conclusion on that because we're only one year in. When that happened, guess who's afraid? Bureaucrats. And by the way, lobbyists, the whole, as, and he came up with a good term again, the swamp, the whole swamp. The swamp survives on perpetuation of inertia, of, uh, of not upsetting the ecosystem. So when you see things like the insurance policy, put that in quotes, please, that Stroke was writing to his girlfriend in the FBI to essentially prevent Trump from getting elected. What's he talking about? An insurance policy to ensure that it's more of the same. And Hillary would be more of the same. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Okay, we got to get a break. When we come back, I want to do something just a little bit fun with you. Things that you don't see in school anymore, you would have seen in the late fifties to the sixties. You want to do that? Would you be interested? I said, I'm going to, I'm going to give you some different things that you'll never see in school again. That used to, that used to hang out in the fifties and sixties. I'll, I'll mention them and, and you tell me if you think we'll ever see them come back. What do you think? Let's do it, brother. All right. Everything you know about uh, claiming your social security benefits has been turned upside down. Government does it every year. Uh, know that we got a new year now. Now things have changed on Social Security. Your decision it can cost you tens of thousands of dollars and lifetime lost benefits that are rightfully yours, higher taxes, and increased Medicare premiums. Get the facts and the updated 2018 Guide to Social Security from David Lucas of the David Lucas Show. You hear him here on 96.5 FM, The Answer, every Saturday, 10 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. It's a simple, easy-to-read guide. It's packed full of up-to-date information for you and dealing with 2018 that can help you avoid losing just all kinds of money. To get your free 2018 Guide to Social Security, be one of the first 10 callers right now, 501-653-6690. That number again, 501-653-6690. All right, so Robert, a little bit of fun for us here as we finish up this Monday, because we have talked about some really, really big and, uh, uh, serious, serious issues today. That's right. So I won't, you may not remember some of this. Now I remember every one of the things that I'm going to mention here in just a moment, but, uh, will we ever see these things again in uh, our schools morning prayer? No. Nope. Don't think that's <laughs> no. ever going to happen. All right. I do not. Teaching cursive. Uh, you know, I, do they still even teach it now? I don't know. I it, hope they I think continue. they do in some schools, but most schools, I think, have moved away from it now. Wow. Wow. That's a shame. Now, telling time on an analog clock. I, I taught a friend's uh, daughter 
uh, reading an analog clock recently. And uh, it's a good question because I'm not sure they're teaching that anymore. And that's a shame as well. I don't even know if there there's any analog clocks up in the classroom. I think they're probably all digital. That's a shame. That's really a shame. All right. So analog clocks, you know, you can still buy analog uh, watches, but even the analog sure. watches you can buy has digital on them somewhere. Often. That's right. Yeah. Often. To help the people be able to feel, well, what does that say? Um, exactly. You remember when you used to go to the library and you check a book out and they would stamp the due date in the, in the, right. the flap of the book. You think they're going to ever go back to that? Well, and you'd write your name on the card and you'd leave the card behind all. And it was, it was a trip. It was an effort and it was enjoyable to go to the library. Yes, it was. To take out a book and, and, and be involved in learning. And this is one of the problems with the internet. And let me be clear, I'm not criticizing the internet. I think it is in the, to the point of saying we shouldn't have it. Right. It's overall a, a positive benefit, but with every good comes some bad. And part of the bad is that it's much easier to sit in front of a computer screen and absorb, uh, uh, absorb all of the information these these days, it's quicker, it's it's more efficient, but that process of going to the library and researching things and just exploring, it's been somewhat diminished, and that's a shame. Now, it's a trade-off. Look, it's a trade-off, but in the end, we did lose a little something that was of value. Paper bag lunches. I loved paper bag lunches. Of course, my mother used to make some of the best lunches, and all the kids at school were jealous. They were always seeking to trade for my lunch, and I told them, no way, buddy. My lunch is better than yours. I just wonder what how kids would look at you if you walk in with a paper bag lunch today. What, what, do, you, what do they bring it in now? Like Tupperware I, or I, do, I have no idea. I don't know. You know, there are some schools won't let you bring a lunch to school. you got to eat. What they feed you, because what they oh feed you gosh. is the good stuff. Nylon oh and gosh. plastic bags now. Nylon oh and plastic bags. All right. Oh, is it all this reusable nonsense? Let me tell of you. Course. As you guys know, I'm calling you from New York because my mother has health issues, uh, uh, and I'm here helping her. Thank goodness uh, I have that opportunity uh, to do so. Uh, but uh, we, New York State just passed a law that every bag that you have at the grocery, they, they, uh, there's a nickel deposit. On the bag. I don't even think it's a deposit, meaning I don't think you get it back. So what do they want? They want you to bring your own bags. Now, right. mind you, sometimes I bring my own bags. But stop trying to force me into your leftist social behavior. There's a cost involved in that. People get sick from using the bags where the, the, the juices are dripping out of the chicken leg that <laughs> they bought last week Gross. and infesting everything in there. Okay, so really, sometimes it's a good thing to have disposable bags. All right, hold on, Robert. i got two more. i got to get these in real quick. Let's get them in. Remember when you used to go to gym class? Sure. Dodgeball. No, dodgeball's out. They, they kicked dodgeball out years ago, I believe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and last but not least, will any kids in school ever again write a term paper? I, I think the answer to that question is yes, although I don't think they use that term, I may say, uh, any longer. You know, will they have to have note cards and write down all of their all of their uh, sources and everything on it? I I don't I, know. I, yeah, it's it's the, the the methods by which we <laughs> accumulate information and present it has have drastically changed, largely yeah. for the better, but uh, drastically changed. But you remember a lot of the things I've just talked All about. All of them. 
and they're Absolutely. all gone, basically. That's right. <laughs> We're That's getting right. old, Robert. Getting? I don't know about you. Getting? Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. All right. Robert, thanks so much. I appreciate you being with us. A little fun for us God at bless. the end. Some great talk today. Thank you for your time. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye now. Robert Steinbach. Don't forget about New Balance. New Balance store on Highway 10. They measure your feet digitally, and uh, they can make sure then they know the length and the width. You got to get the right width. You get with the length so that you get a comfortable shoe, whether for work or for play, or if you're an athlete and you're running, it's the only new balance store in little rock that makes custom foot beds that will give you ultimate comfort. It's over on highway 10 on Cantrell there in West little rock. That's new balance. Hey, tomorrow power panels in, we'll be talking about this memo. This is just huge. We'll be talking with about that. I'll see if I can get maybe some of our uh, congressmen or senators on to give us their thoughts about it as well. And then the Bible guys in the final hour. Until then, have a great evening and a good morning, and I'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock. The Dave Ellswick Show podcast is sponsored by the Juris Law Group. We provide estate planning for all ages, and we specialize in helping seniors get VA and Medicaid benefits for in-home, assisted living, and nursing home care. For a no-risk consultation, call us at 501-400-8250 or find us on the web at juristlawgroup.com. That's J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.